0: Found yourself at the junction where worlds meet. Politics.
1: Civility? How about honesty
0: in this country, folks? Entertainment. I don't like entertainment. And a whole bunch of other stuff.
1: It's about having a healthy body image. You have a very unhealthy body. You should have a horrible body image. Not a
0: big home improvement market in Detroit.
1: <laughs> we are definitely going to get letters.
0: You're listening to Talk Radio's strangest animal. You're you getting louder with Crowder. But you're
2: a strange animal. i got to follow.
1: Oh, speedy Oh, there we are. It is dry. Maybe some other day if you're listening to this. I'm one of our wonderful affiliates like up there in Cone, Alaska, or the podcast. I am your host, Stephen Crowder. As with me, uh, unfortunately, always producing in the studio, Gay Jared. You can follow him on Twitter at notgayjared. Not and I have allowed him to speak his piece, fulfilled my legal
3: obligations, and you can follow him on the Twitter and draw your own conclusions. You, you know they could be listening to this way in the future too. You ever think of, think about that? Someone's think, listening. In the yeah, future? it could be like like 2055, 20, 20, and they're laughing at how dumb we are, how little we knew.
1: I feel like you know it's funny when we talk about that, and it actually ties into this week. Was a big week in the news with the obviously the the the, the shooting. Um, how do you pronounce the city?
3: Ron- I haven't seen Ron-oke? city. I've you know it's it's one of those things that's trended under a lot of different hashtags. It's, yeah, and stuff, W-D-B-J.
1: So. Um So we'll get to that in a second. Firstly, we'll we'll have Henner Gracie on the uh, on the air today. Of course, family of the founders of the UFC actually trained the the gentleman who took out the terrorist in france a terrorist attack that was thwarted in france again thanks america choked the guy out so we have Henry grace we have oath keepers you've heard about them down in ferguson with their their big scary black rifles um and then we have uh some regular callers calling in we'll be talking about everything today but it's funny you mention that if people are listening from the future i feel like that just pre-2008 pre-iphone it was such a different world and that's what happened here with the shooting with lee flanagan gay black guy named lee flanagan firstly never justifying a shooting of course but that guy had a tough sell with his name as a gay black guy that guy he's like <laughs> the boy named sue who was black you know growing up as a black guy in america first off you're a total homosexual and then your name is Lee Flanagan, you're going to turn off half the black community because your name is Lee Flanagan. They think you're BSing them. And then you're going to turn off the gay community with the name Lee Flanagan. They're not going to believe you. They think it's like, well, you can't even give me your real name. You're just ashamed of who you are.
3: Sounds like a great fashion line, though, doesn't it? Well, here's what's crazy. So he changed his name, right? Yeah, which really confused me at first. To Bryce Williams. Yeah. Like just
1: another white bread name. You know, I thought he'd change it to like, you know, Jamal Wilson or something, you know, so because he wanted to get that uh, he wanted to get that slot on the news crew where they need a black guy, you know. It's like her some girl's name is, you know, Tammy, uh, Tammy Chung, you know. It's not really a f- common surname in China, Tammy, but that's what they become. <laughs> anyway, it, but you know this guy. So this happened this week, obviously, and we're we're looking through this. The guy did buy the gun legally. He was gay. Uh, he had a, a racist manifesto. He was a liberal social justice warrior. That's not what the media wants to run with. They want to blame the gun. Listen, if you can blame the Confederate flag for Dylan Roof, you've got to blame the rainbow flag for this. I'm not saying you do blame the Confederate flag. I'm not saying you do blame the rainbow flag. The point is this guy killed in the name of modern progressivism and super gayness. That's why he killed. And they, you know, he even posted to his Twitter. His motive was posted on his Twitter that his previous employer uh not employer, somebody who worked with this other female anchor, said something racist. She made a racist comment. So she made a racist comment. Oh, are you gonna say I'm racist, homophobic? And that's my impression of a gay black guy because it's freaking hysterical. She made a racist comment. Yes. Gay black men are funny. When I see gay black men, they're very rare by the way. They're not accepted in the black community very much. When I see a, a like a flamboyantly gay black, guy, I actually saw one at Slow's barbecue the other night. You saw one? I saw one. I did, you, saw, did you get a good picture. Well his funny enough his his uh his father, I think, who was dressed to the nines, full on like cane hat, gorgeous tan suit. His name was Andy Williams, funny enough,
3: his dad, and he was a gay black guy. Can, can I pause right there? I This is just ties in very little, but I saw a black midget dwarf. I don't know what we're supposed to say these days last week. And I, I don't know what the universe is trying to tell me, but it was it was significant. Go on. <laughs>
1: Well, he's trying to tell you that you're racist. It, it, God is telling you that you, when you speak to black people, you make them feel small. And you need to better that ah. about yourself. You need to work on it about yourself. Back to the b- barbecue story, though. So this gay black guy is there. And it's very rare because they're not accepting. That's one thing people say conservatives are homophobes. The the black community is, is and that's a big story coming out of the shooting, is pretty actually unaccepting of gay people. Not only not tolerant, they're not they're not comfortable with it as a general rule, especially if you look at their voting base. And I want to ask, you can tweet me at S Crowder if you, you you think I'm wrong and maybe you just know, you know, a plethora of, maybe you have a cornucopia of gay black men that you know. I want to ask them, like, who are your friends? Because black men are not very nice to gay people as a general rule. I guess it'd be like straight black men. Their friends are big white women. I can picture that. <laughs> That's... I guess, I I guess they, that bridges that divide. So if people are going, why are you joking? Well, listen, we're not joking about the shooting. We're trying to address this with some levity, whereas other conservative outlets out there who will remain nameless ran the shooting footage. Now, I don't know where you guys out there line up on this. You can tweet me at S. Crowder, but this is the problem with the social media to go back to what I was talking about before an iPhone. This guy recorded his shooting, murdering the people on his phone. And I see conservative websites with headlines, what you won't believe this shooter did before he blew these people away. And they're posting it. And they're posting it purely for profit. Listen, at We we run some ads. We're very honest about it. We do a few pieces of content a day. We try to keep it high quality. We try to keep it limited. You will never see me run a snuff film. I won't do it. I understand the argument that you don't want to keep your head in the sand. But do we really as a society want to be giving serial killers, mass murderers exactly what they want, which is notoriety? I mean, this guy's first person shooting, that was his equivalent to Kim Kardashian's sex tape. He thought that was going to be his claim to fame. And he's right. And even Montel Williams was really mad with the New York Daily uh, or the New York Post. Um, Because I think it was the only paper to really do that and publish those screen caps with the muzzle flash coming out of the gun. I don't know. I've never, have you ever watched any of those videos like the beheadings or stuff? I've never no, done it.
3: No, no, no. I, I avoid those. Yeah. I mean, I know, I know they are there. I know they could serve a purpose for some people who just, just ignore it and just pretend it doesn't exist and need a little bit of reality kicked in them. I think for those people, if, if that's a last resort of, Hey, you need to wake up to some of these things. But even then it's kind of like, uh, I don't know. No, it's, I, I enjoy breakfast too much to watch some of these things.
1: I can't. I mean, I remember when I was in school, it was, uh, the first guy the, in in Iraq who got his head cut off, not cut off, sawed off. You know that's the thing. That's the thing too. It's you. What really bothers me, and it's the same with like Quentin Tarantino films. You know, I can take Saving Private Ryan. I can take films that are violent. What really disturbs my soul, and that's what you see a lot of today, is people taking enjoyment and inflicting serious pain on someone else that really like I can't handle that I can't watch it I can watch you know James Bond I can watch even if it's like a crappy Star Wars film or something and it's like okay I can watch it but I cannot handle someone enjoying torturing someone else there's something really sick and sadistic about that and uh there's a great film called Nightcrawler, and I feel like that's where we are right now with this shooting everyone just wants I mean we we commented on the shooting we were uh Paul Joseph Watson there at, at uh, InfoWars tipped us off at the shooter right away. Said he shot the woman because she was a racist, that this guy was gay, that he had a, a liberal agenda. He was doing it as a retribution for Dylan Roof. So he posted about that because the media had run with gun control. The media had run with right-wing gun nut extremists, right? Hillary Clinton didn't even know the names of the victims before she tweeted out that she, we needed to push for gun control. Do you see that? Yeah, yeah. She's a horrendous human being. Just a, just a horrendous piece of festering human garbage. For Hillary Clinton to not even know the names of the victims and to push for gun control immediately, she is a pustule on the butt that is today's political spectrum. Disgusting human being. <sighs> that being said, I'd still take care over Bernie Sanders. I don't know why. <laughs> if Bernie Sanders is president... I will say this, as Stephen Crowder, if Bernie Sanders becomes president, I will leave the country. Or my money will leave the country. Like, I'll put it in Panama or something. I'll, have a, I'll spend half my time somewhere where I'm not going to work 14-hour days for several years of my life to try and build something up so that Bernie Sanders can take it all because he didn't get a comb and a CAT scan. So... <laughs> This is where we are. Even Derek got a kick out of that one. Derek is the silent hero who people who helps produce the radio side. Um, This is the shooting that happened. The father right away of of the victim is crusading for gun control. Listen, we'll lay off him because he's grieving. But you've got to be able to separate. This is why we talk about you've got to be able to separate the emotional argument from, from the facts. And right now, pushing gun control would not have stopped this. It wouldn't have stopped this shooting. It's a tragedy. We don't have a gun problem, we have a humanity problem. This guy said he killed these people because they were racist. There's no evidence that the, the, the woman he killed was racist. None whatsoever. But when you're Hillary Clinton, when you're Barack Obama and you continually vilify your opposition as racist, simply to win an argument, you, you remove their humanity. And it makes them, it makes it a lot easier to treat them inhumanely. When you say, well, this person's just a racist, for example, would I be able to justify killing Uh, a murderer absolutely i'd flip the the electric chair switch without even skipping dinner and they try and paint racism as the ultimate crime of humanity and they they tar and feather all political opposition as racist so i'm not saying that hillary clinton and barack obama are justifying this killing but they are sending people out there right now where they think there's a racist behind every single uh rock and under every car And they feel as though a racist is just the worst that humanity has to offer. And so they're going to treat them in a subhuman way. We don't have a gun control problem. We have a humanity problem. We'll be back after this. Hey, this is Steven Crowder with Louder with Crowder to tell you about one of my favorite sites on the web, AR15.com. I know you hear AR15 say, isn't that the scary black rifle? It is, but AR15.com is actually the best website if you want a community from which to learn about how to care for your gun, gun safety, where to find concealed permits, courses, as well as the best online gun store in the business. I'm talking ammo, accessories, upgrades, all of it can be found at AR15.com. That's AR15.com. glad to be back after keeping the lights on with those sponsors i think they keep i don't know i have no idea um we're talking about the shooting lee flanagan slash bryce williams don't say he's not gay and black and of course everyone right away is pivoting and pushing for gun control we've talked about that so much on the program with you the listener you might be a male you might be a female you might be in your. You might be. You might be transitioning. You might be. I'm trying to think. You might be a black midget. That you might be the black midget that Jared Gay Jared spotted this week. You might be. He's out there. He's
3: out there somewhere. That's that's weird. He, he may have. I don't know. We I saw him at Cedar Point, so I, I had my doubts of his safety. What's the? As he couldn't get any
1: rides. I the Poor little guy. He could. I don't think you could i gotta go you gotta be this tall it's like i've been drinking longer than you've been alive and a kid can just put that ruler up to his head and well,
3: his hair is really tall so i don't think you have an afro yeah it was, it was like it was kind of like the will smith plus like another like seven inches oh, or so no. um
1: oh so it was shaved in the sides and high in the top yeah it was a Burger yeah King kids club yes yes you're not fooling anyone with that little
3: guy no it's no. adorable let you try. It is. He was cute. <laughs> he was waiting for a. Uh, He's waiting for one of those. Oh, I was too. One of these giant barbecued turkey legs, and it about. It was about half his size. It was huge. Here's the thing, and I. Everyone, no one believed me. I've gotten messages about my
1: midget stalker from a while ago. Um. Absolutely, one hundred percent true. If you go back two episodes, you're listening on the podcast. You're listening terrestrially. You can go to ladderwithcrowder and catch it. It's absolutely true. The thing that's so creepy to me, and of course, if they, I mean, if there were a midget in this room right now, I'd be polite. The thing that's so weird is like you don't know, that that little um, that little guy you're talking about. He he probably weighed about like two ten. They're not light. It's like they've been putting in a, it's like they've been putting dense. a compactor. Yeah, and, just, and you squeeze them in. And you're like, this is what you get. You still get full-size everything else. It's like one of those conversion vans. You're taking an entire house, and you're putting it in. You're like, oh, my God, there's a kitchen in here? <laughs> I just thought Are this you- is
3: where you lured children to the back of this thing. There's a kitchen and a bathroom? Are you, like, absolutely terrified to answer the door for Halloween? Because you just don't know which one of those little suckers is actually, like, a 45-year-old guy with a baseball bat. I, you know, you put on the costume, you get the candy. That's my rule. Yeah, you, I mean, even if it's a midget stalker. I'm
1: not stalker. terrified of them. I just, I for years, I legitimately was uneasy because, you know, I had a, I had a midget. I mean, think about this. You spend a couple years looking over your shoulder for the midget stalker. It's going to, you know, it's just, it's a, basically a form of social engineering. All right. So, shooter. Lee Flanagan, again, this is what happened. Uh, most popular gun in the world, Glock 19. Handgun. Again, we're not talking about assault rifles now. We're talking about a handgun. Uh, I guess you'd call it high-capacity, maybe leftists want to ban it. He sued the station for racial discrimination. He was an Obama supporter. He was a supporter, it looks like, of of gun control, (laughs) funnily enough. Um, We're going to try and pivot here. People are going to try and pivot to mental health. Well, you know, we're saying we need to make it harder for you to get a gun if you have mental health issues. Clearly, this guy had mental health issues. I don't really know. From what I've read, it just seems like he maybe went to anger management. I mean, you could put me in anger management tomorrow and they wouldn't let me go. Do you really want to give over the subjective reins of mental health to the government? Well, have you ever taken a Xanax? You know, because you travel. Well, Well, you can't. Now you no longer have the right to protect house and home. And you don't think there's going to be moving goalposts when you get somebody in office. You don't think that George Bush's barometer for mental health might be different than Barack Obama's. Then, and by the way, Barack Obama's barometer for mental health, I'm sure, would be very different than him, uh, than his. I mean, you know, the guy smoked crack, guy smoked crack, and wrote communist poetry. You know what they're going to do for mental health? Just like they wanted to label right wing uh, extremists as terrorists, the Tea Party group as terrorists, Miss Janet Reno, that's what they wanted to do. How about labeling communist poetry writing crack whores? Like your president. We don't know that he's a whore, but at some point you do crack. You're selling your body. It's going to happen. It's just the luck of the draw. Hey, do you have any crack left?
2: No, I don't have any money. Just sell your body. Okay. I'll sell my body. I'll get more
1: crack. Barack Obama smoked crack with his professor and wrote communist poetry. What's the barometer for mental health? Joe Biden said to use a shotgun on the porch and fire two shots off at random. At freaking random. I would rather Gay Jared have a Glock 19 with an extended magazine than Joe Biden with a musket. That's how little I trust that man. And I'm not saying he doesn't have the right to own a firearm. That's the issue right now. So you'll hear this in the media. You will and, and be prepared to deal with your leftist friends when they just say mental health. Say, okay, define mental health. Corner them in. Who does not deserve a gun? At what point can you say you are mentally unfit to own a gun? Anyone who's lost a family member at some point has probably been through some kind of depression. Uh, anyone who travels a lot has probably had some kind of a benzodiazepine, some kind of a, of a sedative. Uh, any business professional I know has a sedative for when they travel. I, I know when I travel, I that's you know I have a prescription just because I'll cross several time zones.
3: We got an incredible amount of vets coming back with PTSD. Can they not get
1: weapons? Who's to say? Who gets to decide? So when someone says that and they throw out the blanket statement, just like they try and say, well, assault rifles, that's a made up term. Define it. Define mental health. What, what, what are what's the list of banned substances? And what's the process for that? Is it is it lithium? You show up and oh, have you ever taken lithium? You don't get to you don't get to buy a revolver. What guns are they not allowed to access? What kind of mental health are we taught? It needs to be defined. And especially before you start passing legislation. And especially if you start pushing to pass legislation before the bodies are cold, you need to define it. Don't allow people to take you down that trail and not define mental health. Nobody is saying that someone who's already committed a violent crime deserves to get a gun. It's already illegal. If you're a felon, you can't get a gun. There are clearly legally defined parameters. Mental health is an umbrella term. Speaking of which, terrorists in France. That's a big story this week. AKs on a train tried to mass murder a bunch of people stopped by Americans stopped by an American with a chokehold by the way so this is a big story I didn't know my good friend Henry Gracie actually these guys were trained uh at a Gracie jiu-jitsu gym so he's going to come on after this break talk terrorists situational awareness and how to protect your fellow man Louder with Prouders stay tuned
0: gun-free zone warning there are gun-free zones in effect now in america should you find yourself in a gun-free zone against an armed perpetrator please go under your desk cover your head and kiss your ass goodbye this has been a gun-free zone warning you're listening to L- L- louder with crowder louder with
1: This is not the first time this next guest is here on the program. We had him when the show was just getting its sea legs, and uh, now it's back because he's back because it ties into a new story. I didn't even know this before going into this. Uh, you can go to GracieUniversity.com, of course, part of the legendary family that created the UFC. Hannah Gracie, thank you, sir, for being here.
4: Honor, man. I'm just glad that we're far enough away where you can't get your hands around my neck, so
1: I can't get my hands around your neck. Good lord. You. You and your false humility. <laughs> we, uh, <laughs> actually, my neck's gotten a lot bigger with the, the back injury. So I'm, I'm, <clears throat> I fat shame myself on air so that way I can go back and then feel good when I lose weight. Um, so we, the story happened. I mean, there are a few things to get in, into. You're obviously a coach for Ronda Rousey, they just monumental, the biggest, you know, female in all of athletics right now. But the story happened, you know, this terrorist attack in France that was thwarted by Americans. Now, I read about this, I wrote about this on the site, but I didn't know a key piece of information. And you fill me in on that. So why don't you fill in our, our audience who may not know?
4: Right, and I'm sure the audience knows all. You know most of the general details regarding the incident. The train was on a was riding from uh, Amsterdam to Paris when a man comes out of the laboratory with an AK-47 uh, pistol and a a knife of some sort, like a box cutter of some sort, and it has an AK-47 with nine magazines. Of uh, of ammunition, ready, basically 200 plus rounds, and is ready to wreak havoc and and kill lots of people on this. You can assume, right? Uh, presumably that he's going to kill a lot of people. And there's 500 people on the train, and the train car that he came out with the weapon to, you know, kill the initial, I guess, subjects or or targets of his attack. There were three American guys, and uh, one of which was an off-duty uh, U.S. Air Force member who trains jujitsu at an affiliate of the Gracie family in Portugal. In Lisboa Gracie Lisboa and this guy is sleeping and he wakes up to a commotion and a few AK-47 rounds that went off near the lavatory in between the train cars and he wakes up and his buddy who's sitting next to him who uh, I think his name is uh, Alex, Alex Spencer Stone is the name of the jujitsu student and the man who initially charged at the AK-47 so he wakes up and Alex says hey let's go but he doesn't even know what we're going for he just knows that something's happening crazy and Alex a says, nightmare he looks up sees an AK-47 down at the end of the hall or down at the end of the aisle way in the train and just starts running. He, he, and his this is based on his kind of recollection of the event. He said at that moment, the guy was either the gun had jammed or he was trying to cycle a new round or he wasn't very proficient in utilizing it. But he was messing with the gun and it wasn't shoot ready. So lucky for Spencer Stone, he kept charging, went straight through, get a hold of the guy, starts to try to tackle him. Alec and Anthony, the two other gentlemen who were with him, two other American friends, and they're both on vacation in Europe, Charge in! Start grabbing the AK, and they're tussling for it. Another British man named Chris, um, Chris Norris, I think, or Chris Nolan, uh, Nolan, so Chris something goes in there, and he basically is grabbing and striking too. And I think, I think Chris
1: Nolan is the uh, director for uh, for Dark Knight. I think you might be you might be mixing it up, but continue. Uh,
4: so Chris something, <laughs> the British dude, goes in there, all scuffling for this guy's weapons, and then Spencer gets behind the guy, puts him in a chokehold, a jiu-jitsu, rear naked choke. Yep, highest pressure. He's holding, the guys are able to take the AK, he pulls out a pistol, they take the pistol, then he pulls out a knife and starts stabbing Spencer, and at that point is when Spencer's ligaments and thumb nearly get mm. severed off, I mean, really almost cut his thumb off, cut his neck, and he's holding, he lets him go, pushes him down, they all start punching at this guy, he drops the weapon, they take all the weapons, he gets back up, and he puts the choke on again, and with the choke in place, he's able to render the man unconscious, they're able to tie the guy up with what looked to be like seatbelts and ropes and t-shirts, basically tied this guy up, kind of belly down, handcuff position prone with his feet tied to his hands. So it was pretty amazing that this was able to happen. And my brother and I did a breakdown and reenactment and kind of I discussed saw that, yeah. three lessons that we took away from this. And, you know, it's just so cool to see that he was able to engage so quickly, so selflessly. And, and, and I know for sure, because it's where all of my conviction and confidence and my willingness to engage in anything, not just a physical altercation, but in any aspect of life or any challenge, as you know, comes from the confidence that jiu-jitsu gives us, and uh, and to know that jiu-jitsu played a small part in, in in helping render this guy, you know, unconscious and ultimately subduing this terrorist is uh, is is nothing short of remarkable. And I said in the video that my brother and I made, like, it's times like this where I wish my grandfather was still alive, so that we could say, grandfather, listen, and like, speak in a very simple language like he liked, and say, a man in you know France was trying to kill people with an AK-47. He's like, yeah, I know the AK. Yeah, that guy was choked unconscious by a man who does jiu-jitsu with one of your one of your son's affiliates, Hoyler's uh, affiliates in Portugal. And if he could wrap his head around that and know how far jiu-jitsu has traveled based on his efforts, it would be uh, it would be an amazing thing. But unfortunately, he's not with this anymore.
1: This is true. Well, then also in his later age, they, they sort of that filter leaves. and He probably would go on an anti-French tirade as to why the French needed <laughs> Americans to save them. Um, you never know. <laughs> you never know. There's just a certain age where it's like, ah, I don't care. I'll offend everybody. And uh, I've read some interviews with your uh, with your grandfather Elio, and he seemed to be that way. He was he was to the point, but sometimes really you are yeah. like, oh my god, you, you probably shouldn't say that. And, you, know, and yeah. we, well, I, you
4: know, at the end of the day, he was running out of time, and to him, who cares what he says? For you know and if he doesn't say what he feels, what's it worth? You know, that's kind of where he got to. I feel like
1: right. No, I, well, I think that's the way most people get there. I think we're getting there as a society too. I mean, here you know you have this terrorist attack. There's a time we had to tiptoe lightly and not offend anyone. I think everyone's just so tired of it, and, and, and we're becoming a culture of people who want to be more results-oriented. We've become so scared about offending people. Listen, if it's a Muslim terrorist killing the name of Islam, let's talk about it. Let's just be honest and face the problem. Same thing. I think people now, you see with the UFC that you guys created, are results-oriented in, in training for self-defense. I was talking about this, and for those listening terrestrially, we'll have a longer segment on um because we know we don't want to bore you with all the ins and outs, technically, of jujitsu. I was talking with, with my producer, Jer, here about this. You know, all these real combat, you know, Krav Maga, and this is this is this is reality-based, man. I'm sitting there going, uh, ah, jitsu all that stuff. That's just sport-based. I'm going, is there anything more reality-based than a terrorist with an AK-47 on a train and nine magazines? And it worked. Isn't that the laboratory of life? Isn't that and you hear this all the time. I mean, these things happen all the time. And effective, basic grappling works. Do you think there's there's sort of a coming home? to that, because there's been so much BS, not only in media, but in martial arts, there's a lot of overlap. Do you feel like people are just tired of it across the board?
4: Yeah, I do. And I think that, you know, you nailed it on the head. At the end of the day, you know, you can't argue with the results. And, you know, if you look historically through all the martial arts, there's never been a martial art that has single-handedly proven to be so effective for some for the average person. We're not talking about the ultra athlete who's given some eye-gouging and growing striking skills. We're talking about average person, someone of average physical capability to overcome someone much heavier, much stronger, much more athletic. That simple engagement, which is the, probably the most likely street altercation engagement you can think of, right? Someone who's the bully or the aggressor or the bigger, stronger, athletic threat person. Sure. an. Like average person who's not trying to pick a fight but is just out with his girlfriend and some guy walks by with an attitude and you know spits on him or hasn't has a has a a look or an eye or a tone or bumps into him in a way or an AK or an AK (laughs) the point is it's always going to be someone more powerful against someone weaker in these situations it's most common and there's no martial art that has proven that ability to overcome that that's not happening with eye gouges and growing strikes that's happening with being comfortable in worst-case scenarios, right? right? And at the end of the day, if you're fighting someone who outweighs you by 50 or 100 pounds and they decide that they want to tackle you, they're going to tackle you. And my grandfather's philosophy was, man, if you're going to tackle me, great, but the fight's not over until you make me say uncle. Well, here's what- And if you can't do that, I'll take care of the situation, I'll submit you from underneath you, and I'll make it happen. So that's the, the beauty of jiu-jitsu. It's comfort in worst-case scenarios. No other martial art provides the same degree of, of readiness for the close discomfort of a real fight. Right. And I,
1: I would definitely say Gracie Jiu-Jitsu for, like you said, the, the the unathletic person. And if you have people who are in better shape, you can include similar combat sports where you're actually, you know, basically having full-on resistance on a daily basis. What I find so funny, I was telling my dad about this. You know, my dad's stud, purple belt, never lost a point in the match. Uh, At 55 years old, we're talking about this. And, you know, the thing, the big thing, the reality, I'm using this term, you know, loosely, the reality uh, self-defense arts teaches, well, it's too limiting, right? It's for it's for sport. We would eye gouge and hit balls. I'm going, well, hold on a second. Here's the beauty of something like jujitsu or grappling. You want to talk limiting. You could have used this same movement pattern technique in a in a tussle with your brother and just slapped your little brother and gotten him in line, or with the guy outside of a bar, like you said, who spit on you, or you can use more force and choke a terrorist unconscious and tie him up. He's like waking up like Boris and Natasha tied to the railroad tracks. There's nothing he can do about it you get to control the level of the situation as opposed to, you know, these guys, you see all of our conservative shows and radio, like, yeah, I go to the eyes, I go for the throat, because I'm not limited by sport. Well, actually, you're so
4: limited because you
1: can only make it work if you can get to the eyes and, like, end someone's yes. life.
4: Well, not to mention, I know, you know where my eyes are, and I know where your eyes are. And balls. And anything. And bottom line is, whatever you can do, dirty techniques, I can do those too, so that we're neutral, we're the same, <laughs> exactly. okay? So now, now that we've neutralized at that level... Let's go to a level of okay. What else can you offer to the situation? And positional dominance, controlling the distance, managing the dangerous strikes are skills that really jujitsu provides in an amazing way. And people will say, "Oh, well, jujitsu doesn't work against multiple attackers." Nothing. Is does. The common rebuttal. I'm like, "Yeah. Well, bring me the art that does. I'd like to meet that person. Me and my brother would like to meet that person, and then we will engage against that." person and prove to them that what (laughs) are they trying to do
1: they argue something that's not it's like it doesn't work against multiple attackers oh well you know what kung fu doesn't work against the acme anvil that's dropped from the ceiling onto you like wiley coyote so once we start dealing in reality that if you're going to deal with four or five guys who want to they're going to kill you it's like the knife you know it works
4: yeah and you know what works against multiple attackers is getting out of the fight straight up getting out of the fight now let me ask
1: 100 meter dash
4: so 100-meter, I got to get out. But here's the problem. Against two or three, let's just say two. Keep it simple. Against two determined bad guys that want to attack you and assault you, what's going to happen? One's going to hit you. The other guy's going to grab you. you are going to fall to the ground, invariably. If you stay in that fight, you will fall to the ground because one guy's going to grab you, okay? Unless it's a perfect knockout, which we've seen on some YouTube videos by, you know, 10, 15 year veterans of the striking arts, which is amazing if they have the physical capabilities. But I'm talking about an art that is actually learnable by someone who's not a gifted freak of nature. So a normal person. Right? Let's just assume they're. In now, hold
1: on, hold on one second. Before we continue, for those listening who don't think this ties into culture or politics, it is important if you are a human being to be a truly sovereign human being to be able to protect your life and liberty. You can have all the guns you want. You can talk about the Second Amendment you want. If you're unarmed and you're unable to protect yourself, you are not a truly independent person. Just that's my aside there. Sorry, Hannah, continue. But it's important so to you're everybody.
4: Unarmed. So you're unarmed and you're truly independently walking down the street and two crazy, uh, unindependent individuals, actually interdependent individuals who rely on each other to victimize independent people like yourself come up and they want to attack you. And there they go. Invariably, that fight's going to end up on the ground. So then my question is this. It's not, oh, who knows best chokes and arm locks? Who is best capable of escaping a inevitable ground fight to get back to their feet and to get away? Right. So a jujitsu, if for nothing else, is the skill to get out of a ground fight. And who better to teach someone to get out of a pool than a swimmer? Who better to teach someone to get out of a ground fight than a jujitsu master? Right. So we're teaching people how to understand a ground fight. You can't get out of a pool if you don't know how to swim. So learn jujitsu so that you aren't victimized. And what's crazy is that talk about police, talk about police you know, brutality, talk about you know the whole recent hype on you know use of force in law enforcement. Sure. When I go teach the law enforcement group, I stand in front of fifty, sixty cops who I'm gonna certify as instructors in Gracie survival tactics for law enforcement. I say, guys, rule number one, the bad guy always has the ambush advantage. You never know when they're gonna attack. UFC, they know when the fight's gonna start. You guys won't have that privilege. Number two, never grapple in a street fight by choice. You guys have tools and tasers and weapons and other tools, intermediate force options that once you're in a ground grapple are available to you and the suspect so do not allow yourself to be in a ground fight grappling okay, one with the second person. we
1: have to go keep the lesson with a commercial we'll come back keep that train of thought henner gracie schooling us on how to beat terrorism yourself with your bare hands ladder with crowder stay tuned
0: This is Louder with Crowder. Be sure to visit
1: louderwithcrowder.com. Hey, listener, what are you doing? You're listening to the show, but you're missing so much content at louderwithcrowder.com. Don't worry. I'm not trying to sell you anything, not any gold or self-lubricating pocket catheters, just news, videos, and exclusive stuff that you don't hear on terrestrial radio. Again, it's, it's all free. We're not asking you to spend any money. Just visit there, get your news, and get a couple of lives. If you want to send me money, that's fine. I don't
0: even know how you get in this room.
1: Cold what hard cash. This ad took a bad turn. Hey, louderwithcrowder.com. Don't listen to Fun Dip, it doesn't cost a thing. Louderwithcrowder.com.
2: You're a strange animal. That's what I know.
0: This is Louder with Crowder. But you're a strange animal. I got
5: to follow.
2: Oh, I'm
4: in
1: We're back with Henry Gracie. He was talking about training law enforcement, and I'm sorry to step on your toes. Continue.
4: So rule number two, when training law enforcement, never grapple with the suspect or the enemy by choice. The idea that you have weapons, tools, tasers, baton, chemical sprays, you know, uh, uh, all of these are opportunities to basically use intermediate force if you can create distance. But if you're in a grapple, they're available to both parties. And a lot of law enforcement professionals will say, well, I don't want to learn jujitsu because I don't want to be grappling with a bad guy. As As if we're encouraging it it's the opposite we teach you jujitsu so that you understand the ground fight so on a moment's notice you can disengage and whenever you want access to other intermediate force options and then of course neutralize the threat in the most appropriate way possible and then rule number three when it comes to a fight for your life there is no tap out the threat has to be neutralized and the suspect has to be in handcuffs or else we don't practice it so these kind of founding pillars of our program you know are really Important because a lot of cops say, Oh, jujitsu is growing in MMA, but it's not for law enforcement. Because why would we want to be rolling around on the floor with a bad guy? I tell you what, you grab the bad guy, you arrest him, and you're grappling by your choice. And then it turns south where you end up underneath him. How are you going to get back to your feet if you never learn how to swim?
1: Well, not only that, but if you're talking about like, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement or people who talk about police brutality, if I'm being arrested, I mean, you should be, these people should be lobbying for jujitsu to be taught in the force. Because again, I would much rather have a cop who is in control who can. Lock me up, you put the cuffs on, and not have to hit me, not have to whack me with a baton. That's that's the key, and that's what I want to talk about here for people listening. That the terrorist issue. I mean, you guys deal unlike a lot of sort of these these. Let's just call us it's call us BS martial arts that go out. We're reality, man. We're hardcore. You guys actually deal with the psychology of it, and that's why you see these results so often. Terrorists, public attacks, whether it's in a pizza parlor or at a public pool, it's about knowing how a situation arises, situational awareness and controlling it it comes down to controlling the situation and if nothing else if people who don't want to learn how to fight you know they'll hear this and go i don't want to learn about how to fight but they want to learn how to have situational awareness and control the situation what what do you teach those people when they come in an absolute newbie who then goes from point zero to beating terrorists with (laughs) ak
4: so the first kind of uh principle of jujitsu is that you know, you want to be comfortable with closeness. So when someone comes in, we know that as a culture, Americans especially, hi, nice to meet you. We shake hands. It's you know, compared to even Brazilian or other cultures, which are much more intimate, hugging and kissing. And European cultures, it's still a very much of a there's a gap. There's always a safe gap between you and the person you just met. And uh, and that's pretty pretty interesting. So that when we get them to the academy, our first thing is, man, get comfortable being closer as you train jujitsu. So we get them in there. We show them a few techniques on the ground. We're grappling. We're teaching them how to be comfortable with that closeness. Once they're, like, not all tense when they're close to someone, then we start to layer in the actual kind of skill sets and techniques, the first most important of which is learn how to manage the distance and manage the damage. And this is true whether you're on a train with a man bearing an AK-47 or you're in a fight against someone who wants to rip your head off with violent punches. In both cases, you want to either be all the way out of the train or all the way up on the guy who has the AK. You don't want to be ducking down by your chair – waiting for him to walk by and execute you point blank so this this natural tendency for people to just say oh no versus what spencer stone had as we saw clearly in his uh in his report of the incident he just got up and charged in that was a very jujitsu principle to say i'm gonna go i'm gonna engage get as close as possible as fast as possible he knew that by being that close the ak has very limited effectiveness in fact the only damage that was caused to, to Spencer wasn't even done by the AK or the pistol. It was done by a knife. So right. the point being, he knew that that weapon was not dangerous if he was so close to the person. And this ability to be comfortable with closeness, manage distance, manage damage, it all boils down to teaching them the techniques. And once they build the confidence in the academy, then it goes back to the ability to avoid fights, be more aware of your surroundings, and ultimately prevent fights from happening because people who fight are people who have something to prove. But if you are able to prove your capabilities every day in the gym, you don't have to go out and puff up and feel the need to, <laughs> you know, aggress people outside a bar or wherever. You're, well, you know, that's so you're, big, too. That's if, pivotal if,
1: because I want to say something. And this is going to be politically incorrect. People will talk about how they're Americans and they were so brave and the heroes. All of that is true. But it's not just bravery. People need to understand that this is a situation where they had been before. Not exactly, but it wasn't false bravado. It was familiarity with a situation. So it's really, really easy to say, oh, just brave. These people are just brave heroes. Well, you go, okay, okay. But what led to that bravery? And that's something that everyone can learn. You don't have to depend yeah. on someone else for that. That's the mind. That's the psychology of it. Another thing too, you mentioned the box cutter. It's very important. You know, this is this is more right-leaning politically. And is not here to talk politics. But um, so a lot of people are into tactical weaponry, guns and knives. A, gu- a, a A knife is a horrible defensive weapon. There's no such thing as knife fighting. It's an assassination, right? If you take out a knife, you've now escalated it. It's not like a gun where someone's going to go, okay, hey, walk away. People out there need to know that because we've had a lot of people even maybe come into the studio with a knife. This is my defense. Well, it's going to come down to a physical altercation with a knife. And you can do all these silly little, you know, Steven Seagal knife fighting moves all you want. The fact is you're not going to see a knife until it's inside of you. And the guy who's going to win a knife fight, it's not like a gun. It's not a mechanical advantage. It's still a physical altercation. And someone's getting stabbed. So i you see a lot of these. And we just had another stabbing out there in Detroit. I mean, well. It's not really news because it's Detroit. Um. Anyways, I just that was just for for the listeners to hopefully educate some people out there walking around with pocket knives. Who, God forbid, you have a Swiss Army knife that'll just fold on your fingers like a paper cutter. Um. Switching gears, Ronda Rousey. You're one of her coaches, obviously grappling coaches. She is like the biggest star in all of. I mean arguably in, in sports right now, but certainly the biggest female star. You were with her for a long time. What's it been like watching that rise? It's become a cultural movement. It's like a new feminism. It's not burning bras, you know, uh, smoking pot. It's like women want to see this strong chick who's out there making it with her achievements. It's pretty cool to watch.
4: Yeah, no, it's, it's been spectacular to be part of it, and it just kind of comes full circle, right, to, to to have been involved and to see the creation of the UFC over 20 years ago. Um, by my father and, you know, his partners way back when. And to kind of see how that was a shock to the culture then, it was like, you know, the uh, AED, you know, to the heart of martial arts in America. Literally, it just, boom, it just jump-started something and started an entirely different movement. And it feels very similar to what Rhonda is doing right now for women's athletics, more specifically women's MMA. She's giving it a jump-start that only a star... Like herself could do, you know, and it really took Ronda to begin that movement. And uh, she's not just another MMA fighter; she's truly an exceptional. Oh athlete. geez, I'm and sorry. I realized we
1: have to go to. A br- I didn't realize what time it was. Okay, stay around. Henner Gracie, go to louderwithcrowder.com for the extended Don Line version where he's uncensored. You won't even believe what he says. It's X rated. Uh, louderwithcrowder.com Stay tuned.
0: <laughs> You're listening to Louder with Crowder. Follow Stephen on Twitter at s.
1: Now it's time for your Daily Haiku
2: with Sensei Stereotype. Walk on the sun. Grass fry fast. on mentally unstable. This has been your Daily Haiku with Sensei
0: Stereotype. You're getting louder with Crowder. But
2: you're a strange animal. I got to follow. Oh, speedy to
1: So glad to be back the second hour. Henner Gracie, for those of you who heard. What a nice gentleman. Gracie Academy, gracieuniversity.com. I am your host back, Stephen Crowder, as always, uh, producing in the studio Gay Jared, you can follow him on Twitter at not gay Jared. I fulfilled my legal obligations, not gay, and you can draw your own conclusions. So, obviously, shooting is the. the, the uh, I don't know how to pronounce it. Renoki, Renoki. It sounds like Renoki. Could be wrong. Uh, the Lee Flanagan shooting is what we were talking about for most of, of the day today. That's what everyone else is discussing because we've pivoted to gun control, as always happens when these things occur. But there are some other things that happened this week that are pretty important. Um, not the least of which are Donald Trump's comments on the Bible. So firstly, okay, let's, let's go in. Cause everyone, you know, the people who are all in on Trump, you know, I'm not a huge fan. I did like what he did with Ramos. I, I give credit where credit's due. If he bans media from events, that's McCarthyism, literally defined. But this guy was disruptive and he was trying to corner Trump. He tried to monopolize time. I've had that when I do stand up and I do Q and A's afterwards. So uh, hats off to him for not backing down. Now, giving credit where credit's due, Trump supporters, are you willing to go, ah, oh, this one's a little bit of a disappointment? So, of course, now Trump, all of a sudden, who's never really discussed his face publicly at all. Oh, gosh, Derek, let me know. Rowan, run, Rowan, how's it pronounced? I'm pronouncing it improperly. Rowanoke. Rowanoke? Rowanoke? Rowanoke. Okay, that's how it's pronounced. I have to read this thing out. It's like, Hooked on phonics is what has to be sent to me because I'm a hack. Um, Donald Trump has never talked about his faith before. Now he's going out, but the only book I love better than Art of the Comeback, you know what I've always said? And like nobody answers because they do. the Bible, the Bible. That's what I'm a fan. I love the Bible. So we have a few clips for you. First one, when he was asked his favorite verse.
0: Okay. You mentioned the Bible. You've been talking about how it's your favorite book. And you said, I think last night in Iowa, some people are surprised that you say that. Yeah. I'm wondering what one or two of your most favorite Bible uh, verses are well, I, I
6: wouldn't want to get into it because no, to me no, that's very wouldn't. personal. You know, when I talk about the Bible, it's very personal. So I no. don't want to get into verses. I don't want to get into There's verses. no, there's no verse, it. A, there's no,
1: no I, verse I, that means a lot mean, to you that you think about or cite? I,
6: the, the Bible means a lot to me, but I don't want to get into specifics.
0: Even to cite a verse? That no, you I
6: don't <laughs> want to do that. I mean. Old
0: Testament guy or New Testament guy? Uh,
6: probably equal. I think the whole Bible is an incredible I joke. Uh, very much so. They always hold up the art of the deal. I say my second
1: favorite book of all time. Yeah, I always joke. It's always been my thing. It's always been my thing. Is that it's the joke? Everyone knows me as the Bible guy. I go and they say, frankly, hey, frankly, King James takes my calls. <laughs> I love like just say just say John three sixteen. Just give out any generic verse. <laughs> I would just, I'd be like, hey, Songs of Solomon, that and the Sears catalog when I was a teenager got me through some dry spell. So he, he like, do we have to act? I know what Trump supporters are going to say. You're a Christian. Don't judge. I, I'm not judging. This, this is a phony answer. <laughs> All right. Well, maybe he, maybe he can't cite verses because, uh, well, when he, when asked about his, where his Bible is, you know, he, he, he gave this answer. The Bibles. I understand a lot of people send you Bibles. Is that true? Well, I get sent
6: Bibles by a lot of people. Where are all
1: those Bibles anyhow now?
6: Well, actually, we we keep them in a certain place, a very, very Mm -hmm. nice place. But people send me Bibles, and, you know, it's very interesting. I get so much mail, and because, like, you know, I'm in this incredible location in Manhattan, you can't keep most of the mail you get. There's no way I would ever do anything to do negative to a Bible. So what we do is we keep all of the Bibles. We just... I would have a fear of of doing something other than very positive. So yeah, actually, I, I should
3: trade out the word Bible with body. It it's really them, creepy. And
6: sometimes <laughs> give them away to other people. But I, I, I would, do get sent a lot of Bibles. You cut the
3: clip. You I just really find it funny. Like
1: you know, he goes, this is not a smart man as far as thinking on his feet. You know, I wouldn't frankly be afraid to do anything negative, anything. And then like later he tries to circle back and he's going, oh, gosh, I need a different objective other than positive. <laughs> some might say, Mr. Trump, negative. No. No, frankly, you don't know what you're talking about. I would, I would never touch a Bible. I would never touch a Bible. Well, what I, would I, there, so never, I mean, I would never
3: harm a Bible. I would never.
1: This guy doesn't even listen. Whether you're a Christian or an atheist, it doesn't matter. What does matter is phoniness. This guy doesn't even know how to court Christians. And maybe some of you are out there so, so easily duped that uh, you'll fall for it. But You know what? I I have a lot of Bibles. I have one by my bed, and one of them uh, almost acts as a coaster downstairs. It's so old. It's so old. I've had it around. I have Bibles that are tattered where I've had to reattach pages. The good thing is, as Christians, we're not Muslims. We don't have a physical view of spirituality where, you know, Oh, a Bible lost a page. That's not our God. It's just the word of God. There's no rule. Of course, you want to try and respect the Bible. If you can, you probably shouldn't put your Diet Coke on it. I can be more flippant than most people, but it's better off being read in a place where it might get damaged because of regular use than in a gun safe or (laughs) wherever Donald Trump like that's his answer. He thinks people he thinks people are saying, how do you treat your Bibles? You know, and he thinks I know how I'm going to impress them. I keep them in a safe. I, my Bibles are surrounded by armed security. We have one more clip from him, don't we? Oh, yes, 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 yes. Then he was asked how he, whether he attended church or not. Listen, you don't have to attend church to be president, okay? Barack Obama, I don't think, ever has. But if you're going to come out and claim you're a Christian and it's important to you, then you have to answer these questions. Let's roll that clip, Jared. Do you actively go to church, or is that something that is more just when you can? Right, well, I go...
6: As much as I can, always on Christmas, always on Easter, <laughs> uh, always when there's a major occasion, and during the during the Sundays, I'm a Sunday church person. I'll go when I can.
1: Mm-hmm. All right. Um, now, if you go to church this Sunday, and you have a pastor who's worth who's worth the salt, okay, any any kind of a decent pastor, at some point he'll probably reference like. You know, the pew sitters who come in on Christmas and Easter. They call them CEOs, Christmas Christmas Easter only. Yeah, Christmas Easter only. And Donald Trump is saying he's that. Listen, there's not, again, if he were out and he were an atheist, you're going, you know, frankly, I don't really care about the Christians. Frankly, you know, uh, it's not my thing. I'm not, but he's just, everything about him is prepackaged and phony. I'm a Sunday church guy as opposed to the Wednesday church guy, I don't, I mean, I know, okay, youth group, small group, I don't know, but like, he thinks that's really pulling the wool over. I know what I'm going to say. I'm a Sunday church guy. Cause people go to church on Sunday. Like, Hey Donald, maybe we should coach you. No, no, no. I got this. I got this. Listen, listen, honestly, frankly, the Pope takes my calls. He takes my calls. He says, there's nobody out there. Who's a better, better Bible treater than Donald Trump. That's what he says. They call me the Bible. They call me like the Bible caretaker. They call me the Bible caretaker. I, you know, it's a long time thing. I tell everyone on the Bible care- Stop it. They say you're the Bible caretaker. I tell them, you know, listen, what about Art of the Deal? But I like the Bible more. It's just so phony. I just I just can't. Is anyone buying this crap? Just tweet me. I ask Crowder, is anyone buying it? Oh, it's just... I, I saw that and I was literally laughing out loud at the Bible thing. Well,
3: it's, it's funny, too, because you think about uh, the Christmas Easter thing and anybody who's been around church knows that those are the worst Christians that just come on Christmas Easter. He's not impressing somebody by saying he shows up on the, the holiest of church yeah. days. That's kind of like the least like, oh, yeah, my Aunt Ruth, she just shows up on Christmas, you know, on Christmas and Easter. That's all she it's all we can get out of her. That's like a that's like a bad thing to say about somebody. I'll tell you what I love. I
1: love when I go on Christmas Eve, and they sing O Holy Night. Frankly, they call me the O Holy Night biggest fan. <laughs> truthfully, truthfully, all the Christmas carols, Ivan Berlin takes my calls.
2: Serenity now! Serenity now!
1: <laughs> I just can't handle it, man. I, You know, he does some good things, but I'm just amazed at the, the contingency of people Who won't call him out on the clear BS? Like, there is nothing, like, this is worse than a kid coming home with, you know, a a report card where he switched all his F's to B's. And the parents, like, did you, like, they didn't even use the same colored marker, like, it was a red F and he switched it with a blue pen. (laughs) And the parents are going, hey, did you, did you switch the F's to B's? No, mom, of course I wouldn't do that and it'd be like the trump voters or the parents going okay i trust you (laughs) no it's it's a a lie donald trump and by the way go back the good thing is you have a catalog of footage of donald trump with gay activists and all kinds of liberals on his show and celebrity apprentice and he always courted them he never whenever he had a chance to say anything or make any kind of he never did um it's everything is due to political expediency. He's exactly the kind of guy Barack Obama is.
3: Did you hear him talk about how he's a uh, he's a Second Amendment guy? Yeah. About the uh the shootings. Frankly,
1: listen. Frankly, Smith or Wesson, they both take my calls. <laughs> both both of them. <laughs> they both take my calls. I was such. Listen, I don't. Well, it's a common joke. They used to call me the the sharp shooting call taker from Smith and Wesson because I shot so sharp. I would shoot so much. And Smith and Wesson were calling me so much, that was my nickname down at the range. It was my nickname at the range, was sharpshooting Smith and Wesson's best friend. They take my calls. Frankly, I shoot a bullet out to a target. I go to the range. I skip the seven yard. I skip the fifth. I go straight out to the 15 yard. I shoot a bullet through the 15 yard. At the end of that bullet, it lands in the, the, the concrete trapper. I call it, it takes my calls. <laughs> Wait, we're going to a break. All right. After this, we'll bring on. Uh, oh gosh, we have some callers to call on. I think we have. I think we have Sweet Avery calling in after the break. Louder with Crowder. Stay tuned. Hey, Fundip, what's wrong?
0: I'm trying to figure out what kind of gift to send to my friend's hot niece. Well, firstly, that's creepy. Does she like wine? Well, yeah, everybody likes wine. Oh, so what's the problem? I just don't know what kind of wine she
1: likes. Oh, well, the good thing is you're in luck, because you can go to SimplifiedWine.com or call 844-297-WINE. You just place a call or you send an email and a qualified sommelier. We'll find out what you like, your price range, and curate a perfect wine list for you or your friend's hot
0: niece. SimplifiedWine.com or 844-297-WINE.
1: So glad to be back, of course. Uh, oh, we lost our caller, Sweet Avery. Well, we'll have her on later. I think we've got some people looking to call in. Oh, Stalker Jim is going to be on here in uh, a little while. We've got him on the line. Thank you very much. We'll bring you on afterward. And I think uh, if you want to call in, you can tweet me at S. Crowder. The reason we don't do a whole lot of callers is because they can redirect the show really quickly. And I hate to say it, but conservative radio callers are are, are a They're little... They're the worst. Well, I, and listen, I, I appreciate you listening, but... You know, if you listen to even like Howard Stern or Opie and Anthony or shows, or Adam Carolla, the callers have a diverse range of interests. Conservative callers like often just want to call in and just complain about Barack Obama or Hillary, and it gets to be a little, you know, it gets to be a little monotonous. And so, out of respect for the other people listening in their car, perhaps, and the, if they're using like a crank radio down in their bomb shelter with their hybrid seats, or in the future, or in the future. You know, we don't need a ton of callers just calling in saying, ah, Obama sucks and Hillary's worse." So we try and keep that to a minimum. But if you do want to call in, you, you know, tweet me at S. Crowder. We, we do have regulars like Stalker Jim, we have McBrody, we have Sweet Avery. Um, we like having regular people who we know, you know, are sharp and are going to have a have a good opinion to express. What was it that we were talking about earlier that we said we wanted to mention? It was right before the break, and then we lost uh, we lost Avery.
3: We're talking about BuzzFeed Oh, BuzzFeed, that's right.
1: So for those of you listening who don't know, of course, if you're listening to the podcast, you do know, listening terrestrially, you may not know BuzzFeed is like the biggest site in the world, the biggest news site in the world. And they didn't run anything, nothing at all on the Planned Parenthood story, zero. Until yesterday, where they said, and the headline was, Deception, a Planned Parenthood video selectively edited. By the way, the copy they were putting out was directly assigned to them from Planned Parenthood. That's like if you've never seen Thank You for Smoking, Nick Naylor, uh, going out and talking about the studies in tobacco being harmless because he worked for the tobacco lobby. So BuzzFeed says, well, because Planned Parenthood sent us a press release that it was selectively edited, we're going to run with this. Here, here's, I mean, okay, BuzzFeed, so you've done your due diligence and watched... The entire unedited video that has always been public for everyone to see. That's what's so crazy about this. Andrew Breitbart did it with Acorn. Um, They did it with Shirley Sherrod. They did it with the Planned Parenthood videos. I did it with the union thing. The left never does this, by the way. The left never does it. Conservatives were the first and only people to release full unedited tapes from investigations. You never saw that on 2020. You never saw that on 60 Minutes. On any of those shows. It never even happened. So conservatives do this, it's available for everyone to see, no one watches it, and BuzzFeed takes the press release that was selectively edited. Well, here's why they're doing it. They're doing it because they don't want their audience to even know about the fact that Planned Parenthood is harvesting baby parts and selling them. Actually, matter of fact, harvesting entire intact babies now. We know this on camera and selling them. They didn't want their audience to know it. And so they know that if they just throw up the words in a headline in bold red, selectively edited, their audience is going to say, oh, the plan, oh, it's selectively edited and dismiss it. Just like ACORN. They didn't know ACORN was federally defunded. You know, you don't think that a liberal government with a president who essentially worked with ACORN, you don't think that they did everything in their power to make sure they could defend ACORN. And then with the entire unedited tapes, they had to say, we're we're going to have to defund this thing. And liberals still saying, oh, it's selectively edited. Firstly, they're defending it when they say selectively edited at BuzzFeed. They're never at any point denying that fully intact babies are being sold. That's never even up for grabs. They're trying to say that some things are edited where maybe some things were taken out of context. Centerformedicalprogress.org. You can watch the entire unedited video. Now, no one wants to watch an hour and 35 minute video where people are just eating lunch, you know, talking about the crumpets or to the hell it is that comes out to the table. People want to watch the part where they're selling the baby parts because that's what's relevant to the story. It's just like using it. You use it as a headline. you It's the lead. Um, so I release an email. It's up at louderwithcrowder.com. I've had interactions with with BuzzFeed. Before Louder with Crowder, you know, we did, before I was doing that full time with people like uh, like Gay Jared and um, other writers. Courtney is fantastic there. Crystal is fantastic. McBrody writes for the site. So we have a you know, couple of interns. We have a really limited staff. But um, before we were doing that full-time, I was a freelancer. You know, I, I worked at Fox News, and then I was sort of freelancing and appearing and always do a lot of stand-up. And so I wrote for different places, and I was put in touch with BuzzFeed Ben, Ben Smith, from Ben Howe. He arranged a meeting, and I pitched something that had been, I think, pitched to Huffington Post, and it wasn't really It was conservative, and it wasn't up their alley, though they had posted some of my stuff at HuffPo before. So I went to BuzzFeed, and it was actually uh, a column, I think, called having a penis doesn't equal misogyny and this was in 2013 it was a while ago a year ago, maybe a year 2014, and a half ago. 2014 okay and uh, i just pitched it saying hey that men shouldn't always have to apologize for being men and men should be allowed to have opinions on women's issues abortion that was the idea it actually we ended up posting it to the site and it did quite well so so the you know they have the right to deny any pitch obviously i've had plenty of pitches denied as a freelancer that's not the issue the issue was buzzfeed said well sorry we don't really do opinion columns. Go over to BuzzFeed right now and tell me if you see straight down the middle news. Tell me if you see. All they do is opinion columns disguised with cat gifts. All they do is Planned Parenthood's bidding and leftist bidding. The problem isn't that even they don't want conservative opinion. The problem is they lie to their constituency outright as they've done this week with the Planned Parenthood. That's why it's so important for conservatives listening. You're, you're, you're too close to the trees to see the forest sometimes. We know how important the Planned Parenthood things. Unfortunately, most main conservative media now, I'll tell you this, we always run them. They don't run the videos. Why? Because it doesn't generate a lot of clicks. Andrew Breitbart didn't do that. It wasn't just about click clickbait and money. He did what was right. These videos are important. So we'll always run them to the best of our abilities. A lot of conservative sites don't because they go, Ah, it doesn't get a lot of clicks. Let's just run a street fight video instead this is your conservative movement folks so they don't cover it ever the bias occurs from the left by omission so you need to know that you may be starting off from, you may have the jumping off point in your mind that most people have seen these planned parenthood videos no most people haven't they haven't even heard of it and someone who reads buzzfeed which is 50,000 probably million more times than any other conservative site including the biggest ones they're only they're only passing glance at it is a headline saying selectively edited. So that's what they believe. So it's important for everyone out there to understand that. In today's political realm, we're not all starting off with the same information. You need to know that when you're discussing political ideology with someone who doesn't share yours. Don't assume they know. Don't assume they're stupid. But don't assume that they're informed. And do your best to try and inform them. It's really important. Listen, it is. So BuzzFeed, they lied. You can read the private email. We leaked it. We'll be back with your calls. louder with Crowder. Stay tuned.
0: This is Jesse Ventura here, the bot. I'm here to formally announce my support for Donald Trump for president of the United States of America, Because I believe that he will take us down the path to greatness and address the issues that truly matter. That politics is a shell game run by the Illuminati, led by Seth MacFarlane, Jay-Z, and Kanye West. That's a sex tape I don't want to see.
2: Know the facts.
0: I'm gonna do the
2: things that I want to do.
1: Yes, we do not give a hoot about what you think. So maybe we should. Steven Crowder back, and uh, we are going to go to some regulars, to callers here, and a good friend of the show. Don't call him a fan. He doesn't like that. Stalker Jim is going to be hi, Jim. Hi, Stalker Jim, are you there, sir?
5: No. Uh, yeah, I'm here. Oh. I just got to say hi to both of you. <laughs> Well, so I'm you're playing glad. my Young Frankenstein music.
1: Yes, well, it's perfectly fitting. We are glad to. So, what's what's on your mind, Stalker Jim, this week? We, you know, you're going back and forth on Twitter. I will say you've been much more positive recently. Both Gay Jared and I have noticed that you seem to be in in better spirits.
5: Thank you, and I have been. I was going to talk about how badly Obama and Hillary sucked, but you don't want to hear that. So, um, <laughs> I figured I'd rather
3: talk about cancer cancer you want to make what you want
5: nothing to... you <laughs> you <laughs> you more positive
3: than obama <laughs> yeah. it's, it's well,
5: no uh, a couple weeks ago i went finally finally on my first vacation in god knows how long and i out to santa barbara for a lindsey sterling concert and it was the experience of my life um it and that's why i'm more positive now well lindsey sterling uh, gave uh, you a I big can... hug right oh god did she yeah if you look at the pictures i posted her uh, arms were around me, and my arms were still going around her, so she hugged me. You know, it wasn't that I grabbed her like her some kind of stalker.
1: Yeah, did you call her fat? Did you just call Lindsay Sterling fat? No. Well, you were saying that she hugged you, but you couldn't get you, – your arms were not yet around her. I, my arms were not yet – I was still putting my arms around her. I was still hugging her. And Oh, her oh okay, okay, okay. So you were talking <laughs> more about initiative. I thought you were talking like circumference. Yeah,
5: yeah, no. I was talking about not being a stalker, and actually her being that warm. I mean, if you look at the picture, I, I it. Uh, she hugged me, me, and you know that's the thing is that she didn't hesitate and he just went and you know gave this stranger a hug. I, I nice. yesterday I was I never even introduced myself.
1: Wow, well that's but very uh, nice. That sounds that sounds very sweet. So good. So you had a moment there, and uh, if we probably, meet you, we'll 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 give you a a, a hug uh, sometime, probably with like. Uh, oh one of those like things that you reach out to get things on a high shelf because of straining <laughs> Um what, Now you Appreciate were you were mad earlier in the program today. You were tweeting that I used the word funnily and you claim that the Oxford Dictionary is wrong.
5: Yeah, I, I'm old uh, compared to you anyway. And I started hearing this funnily when I was already an adult. I didn't hear it before that. And so when Oxford says some of the words, they may
1: believe it's a word but it has been invented since the time no, of it's War. not true it ain't a word it's been used by the english aristocracy for centuries you mean those inbred illiterates?
2: Uh, oh, I mean,
1: uh, the guys we rebelled against? Yeah, we rebelled against them. They're not illiterate, those <laughs> guys. That's not really fair to say. They may have yeah. some powdered wigs in their closets, but they're not. They're not. Uh, no, yeah, stu- pa- stu- pa- they're not. They're so not. So are you telling me something about not gay? Does not gay Jared have a powdered wig in his closet? Not gay. No, he it's, doesn't it's, have. That's the problem. <laughs> that's the, the problem. Gay Jared does like not it. have powdered wigs. He has scalps. Where do you think the Native Americans learned it?
5: well we taught it to them uh, they were for proof that we'd killed an Indian no no that's not faithful.
1: true we learned it from them really yes we learned it from I them they would scalp, I they would scalp women and children stalker Jim, in the war like they would do it to each other before we came in and we learned it from them it's kind of like with terrorists that. yeah yeah how about that that's, that's one of the false things I was taught in school
5: well you know um, another thing too
1: you know the idea that we what? gave them these smallpox blankets right to make them all sick
5: yeah no, that wasn't done on purpose
1: no, I mean it was years before we even had germ theory. Back then, if you went back there and said, "Hey, if you look in a microscope, you can see a germ," they would burn you at the stake for, for being a witch. They wouldn't believe you in a second.
5: Yeah, that, that, they were all into bleeding people back then and leeches and stuff.
1: Right, and we're wow. supposed to act like they were waging biological warfare <laughs> against people who were scalping women and children who didn't even use the wheel. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Did you know
5: that?
1: Did you know that, that? Native Americans didn't use the wheel? Did you know that, Stalker Jim? That I no. knew. Yeah,
5: they used a the travois, but they didn't use
1: the wheel. I'm sorry, I had to say it. That is a dumb civilization at that point in time. If the wheel. I mean, it's well, been around since before the Romans. I, I mean, the wheel. I mean, you have cavemen. You go back, and they've been using the wheel. How do they not figure? They hadn't domesticated horses, so I'm just trying to educate you. If you if you believe that we taught them scalping, these are other little tidbits about Native Americans that you may not have known. Also, I have, I have yes, they love huffing Windex today, and that's their drug of choice. Oh, I always thought it was metallic paints, but. Yeah, well, they drink the Windex, I think. Well, okay. So you don't like funnily. Um, you saw Lindsay Well, that's good. So you, you feel like you're in a good place. You feel like you're, you're moving forward in a good place.
5: Uh, uh, see, if you want to say funnily, say funnily, but I had to have something to throw out there to make you trip up, and I knew you'd react to that. Well, you can't say funny. I you go to Oxford, but.
1: You can't say funny because that's like saying, you know, it's a real big deal. No. You say really I'm big deal. You would say um, oddly enough. Or this oh, guy you oddly behaved oddly, he behaved odd. Mm-hmm. But you,
5: know, uh, you can say uh, strangely enough, amusingly, which, you know, that's one I've heard, but then you start sounding like some kind of snob. I was just, you know, just like you poked me, I was just poking you a bit. All right. It's, it's one of those, it's one of your, um, what do they call it when it's a, a speech habit of yours. You you say that a lot. Oh, um, no, it's like, deliberate.
1: It's deliberate. i trying to be right.
5: Well, he wasn't a friend. He was a, a business associate who, just before he was going to lie to you, he had a red flag. He'd say, I'll be honest with you. Every single time, and you knew what the next thing he was going to say was going to be a lie.
1: Yeah, I know. I know. And I've actually had an encounter with with uh, someone recently who I've, I've discovered to be a compulsive liar. This person will look you in the face. And I, you know what, Stalker Jim? Like, listen, you're first to acknowledge you're not super stable, but you're always honest. And I appreciate that about you. I really do. That That's something that, you know, listen, a lot of people don't have stalkers who are honest. They have stalkers who will, you know, stab them in the back.
3: You don't do that. stalkers. You cannot trust those guys. You can't see them either because they're, they're way below your line of sight. But you definitely can't well, trust them. Well, they have, they have uh, a low center of gravity. I, I take Malcolm Reynolds' view on that. What was that? Um, I take Malcolm Reynolds' view on that.
5: Malcolm Reynolds' view from Firefly.
1: Oh, oh, that's right. I, I never really watched Firefly. But I appreciate, I mean, that, you're, I appreciate that you're honest because it is a, I've known someone who's a compulsive liar. And like you said, the let me be honest. Or, you know, tr- like that's the thing with Donald Trump, right? Truthfully, yeah. frankly, listen, your previous supervisor, truth- truthfully, he takes my calls. It, 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 You're going, well, why do you need to say truthfully? What were you saying before truthfully? Exactly.
5: You, 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 oh, now you're going to start telling me the truth. I see. What was all that before?
1: Yeah. Exactly. I know. Well, listen, you may be, uh, well, don't call him a stalker. You're a follower of the program. You're a friend of the program. But you're honest, and we appreciate it. Stalker Jim, we must let you go. I wanted to say something, but all right. But we thank you very much for being on the program, and we'll check back in with you soon, okay? All right. Talk to you later. Have a good one. Stalker Jim's
3: such a nice guy. Nice guy. We are fortunate to have the best stalker in the business. Best stalker. He's the best one out there. <laughs> compete, <laughs> compete in any market. That stalker.
1: Derek looks horrendously uncomfortable. He should. He looks like he's like, I don't know if that's the good decision to be making. <laughs> He's the only adult at this table right now. That's true. Don't Derek. worry, Derek. He's not an angry Muslim. You're safe. Those, those are the stalker. Like, if I had a stalker named Ahmad, no.
3: You got to look out. No, that
1: you got to stop it. But stalker Jim, I can appreciate stalker You can, stalker he, you Jim can encourage that one a little bit. Cautiously encourage. I'll tell you what, though. Stalker Jim loves his Lindsay Sterling. He does. He would throw. He The only worry I would have with stalker Jim is that if, like, kind of like, in all those Disney movies where it's like, well, we'll figure out whose dog this really is. We're both going to stand on either side of it and call it and see who the dog goes to. And, you know, that whole thing. If it were Stalker Jim in the middle and were Lindsey Sterling and it were me, even if it were me, you, Lindsey Sterling every time.
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He just
1: hit us with a blow dart, put us down and run on over to hug Lindsay Sterling. I don't blame him. She's, a, she's an attractive little girl. Yeah, it beats,
3: beats the hell out of both of us. Yeah.
1: She's a, she's, a, she's a compact little package who plays that, that uh, violin. Violin or cello? Violin.
3: Anyway. You know too much, sir.
1: We are back. Well, we'll have more callers after the break. I think Sweet Avery was still trying to get in. I'm not quite sure. Um, more evidence coming. North Korea now. Apparently, Kim Jong-un is saying that there's going to be more unity, and he's pretty glad about the, uh, the talks that are occurring I, I i'm amazed that a guy like this still gets to be a world leader and, and that he's even remotely respected that's a perfect example when you tweet something out about kim jong-un that's incredibly ethnocentric and discriminatory against north koreans as it should be liberals still get mad how, how do you how do you really like are, we're not even allowed to make jokes we had someone who got really mad that i was making jokes about north koreans he's like you're just so insensitive you don't know enough about north korean people okay I've watched the documentaries. You were talking about mm-hmm. it. My wife has read the books and she's giving me the recaps. And I, I don't need to read the book after watching the documentary.
3: Well, I, I take it to me you're talking more about North Korean leadership, not necessarily people stuck there under wagons such as Kim Jong-un and Bill yeah. and all the other... Still.
1: That's okay. I'm okay with being said you're discriminating. I discriminate against North Koreans. I'm not a huge fan of them. am not a huge fan of them as a people. Um, this, you know, yeah, you've never gotten it right. And I feel bad for them. I do feel bad for them. But I'm not gonna walk that back. You offended North Koreans. Listen, if they're either one of two things. They're either lying when they're crying over the death of Kim Jong un, right? In which case, every single member of that country deserves a Razzie. Because it's just <laughs> it's never like it's not like a tear, like, you know, like a single tear comes down the cheek when North Koreans are mourning their leaders. It's like oh! I can't believe! You know, they're going nuts. Or it's genuine. In which case, I'm sorry, you've been brainwashed, but you're still a danger to the rest of society. In their defense,
3: some oddly enough, not well-known, some, but some great cinema coming out of North Korea. <laughs> Kim, Kim Jong-un, that's right. He kidnapped! His, I think it was his grandfather, technically, I think. Kidnapped? But I, Yeah, I mean, so that explains kind of the lineage problems we have here. But it was his grandfather who... Kidnapped who, the Godzilla director, one of them, or
1: some famous to director, to recreate it in Korea. Yeah, to recreate it. Just kidnap
2: You're going to make Godzilla now.
1: You're going to make it here in Korea. I mean, and honestly, listen outside of people in Japan, in North Korea, okay, anybody else watching Godzilla, they're not going to know the difference.
3: No, just, 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 they're gonna go, hey. just green screen Matthew Broderick in there <laughs> and call, call the done deal. <laughs> they're going to go, hey, wait a second. Is that a Korean and not a Japanese
1: gentleman? I can tell by the wrist circumference and the half centimeter difference in average male height. Yeah. Let's just, I'm sorry, are you saying all Asian people look alike? As a general, yes. I'm not going to lie about it. It is hard. I don't think all black people look alike at all. As a matter of fact, it's very easy to tell them apart. And black people, that's that like criticism against white people. Well, you wouldn't be able to tell like Moroccans from Zimbabweans, Zimbabweans. Well, probably not. But I will tell you this like, when I see a picture, okay, you could show me. Tweet me at S. Crowder if you think this is off base, okay? Because we're so sensitive about race. I'm just not going to be. You can show me a picture right now of eight Japanese businessmen, okay? You see those all the time. That's all the pictures they're always doing. they, They just, they work, 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 work. And then, you know, if they don't kill themselves, they die. They have a high suicide rate, high work rate, very miserable life in Japan. You could show me an image of six businessmen, okay? Give me their names, even give them color co- color-coded ties, all a different tie. Take it away from me for five seconds. Put it back in front of me and ask me to do kind of like a basic kid sort of logic problem. Attach the name to the right Japanese businessman. Uh, I wouldn't be able to do it. If my life depended on it, I would die. It's very hard. Well... In fairness, it'd be hard to tell most of European people apart too. Yes, it would be hard to anyone who's not Japanese. How would you describe that perp to a cop? Well, probably about five foot two, black hair, brown eyes, slight build, pale skin. What about the next guy? What about the third killer? Well, about five foot two, black hair, brown eyes, pale skin. What were they doing? Working. they were <laughs> working their fingers to the bone. I don't know what else to tell you. Oh, well, that about narrows down all of Tokyo. Thank you very much, our prize star witness regular Rachel Gentel. We, we we are gonna get letters. We are going to get letters. Louder with Crowder, we will be back after this. Hey, this is Steven Crowder with Louder with Crowder to tell you about one of my favorite sites on the web, AR15.com. I know you hear AR15 saying, isn't that the scary black rifle? It is, but AR15.com is actually the best website if you want a community from which to learn about how to care for your gun, gun safety, where to find concealed permits, courses, as well as the best online gun store in the business. I'm talking ammo, accessories, upgrades, all of it can be found at AR15.com. That's AR15.com.
5: We will party hard.
1: We are back and uh taking your call. So now we've actually got a regular on the line. And we for those of you who don't know, she tweets us all the time. Next to Stalker Jim, she's the biggest I don't wanna we can say fan with sweet Avery because she's so she's so sweet, she's not gonna try and hurt us. Not that Stalker Jim would. We wanna keep him happy. So she's absurdly positive. Sometimes it almost makes me sick. She's so kind. Let's bring on sweet
2: sunshine, lollipops, and rainbows, everything that's wonderful.
1: So Avery, are you there, sweet Avery?
7: Yep, I am.
1: You are so good glad morning. to hear your voice. <laughs> now you were having phone problems you were saying, right?
7: Yes. Oh my goodness, my phone wouldn't even turn on.
1: So were you do you get angry with your phone? Like if that you know, do you want to smack it against the wall or you just deal with it?
7: Well, sometimes I just it just frustrates me, but you know, I feel like that's not a very good way to be because, you know, it's technology, it's not very reliable.
1: Okay. Well, that's fair. What's on your, what's on your heart? What's on your mind this week that's been going on? You've been tweeting up a storm.
7: Um, Donald Trump.
1: Really? Yeah. You a fan? Not at all. <laughs> did you hear his, uh, did you hear his, um, his comments about the Bible there?
7: Yeah, that kind of made me frustrated, but I think what frustrated me was his comments about Megan Kelly.
1: Oh, okay. So it so was a woman. What was it that upset you about that?
7: Well, I feel like he kind of, he perpetuated pretty much every stereotype there is about Republicans. You know, it's just kind of like, oh, <laughs> I mean, it's just, I mean, calling Megan Kelly a bimbo. It's like, oh my goodness.
1: Yeah, I guess I can see your point. I mean, I'm not a Megan Kelly fan myself, but, you know, I feel like it was a valid question. Everyone said he was set up with that question. The question was basically, hey, Donald Trump, you're the only candidate who's acted like a major douchebag. Toward women.
7: Well, they were kind of like, I was kind of like, stop off Donald Trump. Because, I mean, you know, Mike didn't write that question. They had questions, you know, that were given to them.
1: Right. Yeah, I guess that but makes he's sense.
7: He's just kind of unfair to me. He's just unfair.
1: He's unfair. Well, who is your candidate then right now, if you're picking one?
7: Well, Scott Walker is my candidate, but I have a, a top three, and Fiorina, and, and uh, review and Cruz are kind of all tied up in there.
1: Okay. So, yeah, you know, I think I could vote for any of them in good conscience. You um, know, yeah. how do you stay so positive on Twitter? You're always, you know, you're using the emojis and you're always, I mean, you know, Twitter is just a, a hate storm of horrendous human beings. Why are you not that way? And does it mean that maybe you're actually more unstable than everyone else who is that way?
7: Well, I used to be really mean on Twitter. I was like, I mean, I never really called people names, but I was always kind of like mean spirited. And I got really sick of it because everyone was just calling me names anyways. (laughs) Oh my God. So I'm just going to use all the little heart emojis.
1: Oh, so you decided to kill them with kindness.
7: Yes. I think I recommend that everyone use um, the little, the little rainbow emoji when talking about um, LGBT issues because it makes everyone smile.
1: Yeah. Makes me throw up a little when I see it. So, have you ever actually physically killed somebody with kindness? Like, have they ever actually had to do a chalk outline because you were you, you just put someone six feet under? Well, I do
7: have a little vague memory of that, but you, do. I, you know, I did take ECT therapy, like the electric shock therapy. So, so we're you know, I don't I need to really get into the specifics of that. But have you
1: ever had that done to yourself to, to your person? Yes. Really yes oh man i know someone they used to do that all the time that's like shutter island type stuff hey uh hey, listen just a hot tip for you sweet avery it doesn't work well yes it does well okay well maybe well, listen we don't want to ruin hey she's happier than us sweet avery has figured something out that we don't
3: know all right well, well yeah you wanted to say before. We uh, just, you know, maybe we should all be setting up for shock therapy if i if i could be yeah. as happy sweet avery I don't
7: Gumdrops drop some know. candy canes, my friend. What was that? Gum drop some candy canes, my friend.
3: <laughs>
1: candy canes, exactly. All right. Well, listen, Sweet Avery, we have to let you go, but we will uh, we'll hear from you sometime soon and check back in, and maybe you and Stalker Jim can can kind of meet up and you can get him uh, on on the path toward happiness.
7: And Stalker Jim can uh, can grow over Lindsay Sterling.
1: This is true. This is true. So you can both learn something from each other, Sweet Avery. Thank you very much. We must let you go. And that was Sweet Avery. Sunshine, lollipops
0: and rainbows. Everything that's wonderful is
2: what I feel when we're together.
1: I do love the sweet. She is a very nice lady. She's a Very nice. Nice, nice little girl. She's not that old.
3: No. Sweet Avery. No. Hold on a second here. Well, she's very nice. She, You know, she defends me quite, quite often on Twitter against you.
1: This, this is true. Me. This is abuses true.
3: Me. That's why I appreciate her.
1: I've noticed people. I've noticed people do that lately, and That's I great. think it's because you're gay. It's fantastic! No, I think it's because no, you're gay because it's you're an I'm,
3: underdog, and you, someone said I was handsome, and I, I haven't well, actually looked was, to see if that was a guy or girl who said that. I, I didn't look that far into the tweet, but that person was. I was encouraged.
1: It was very likely that that person is is is. Uh, is, is, is retarded.
3: It's a special needs person. It could, it could be an old gay guy. Cause you know, I, I, I have this weird thing, not gay at all, but I, I have, I'm kind of like a gay magnet for old gay people. Just the other day I was driving in my car right. and some old guy looked at me and, and was trying to pick you me do. up. You he do. was, he was like old dementia. This is insensitive. Now it wasn't at the time when I thought about it, but Jimmy Carter, he looked like Jimmy Carter, but a little, little bit really jolly jolly, and Jimmy a Carter. little bit, little bit stalkerish himself. Jimmy Carter. Yeah, that's the way this guy looked like. I, I don't mean, think any. I could think he try to pick happen. me
1: up. Well, yeah, it's not a surprise. It's not a
3: surprise. Uh, I, 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 there's, no, there's no other way for that to go. I, did, I, I thought it may just be a friendly guy, but then he drove by and he had the, the whole equal sign and the rainbow flag bumper sticker. Yeah, like I mean, that guy
1: wanted me. That might, you know, might as well be a yellow bad. Handkerchief out of your pocket in the wrong area of town. Well, oh, listen, hey. When your own time is your own time as long as you come in and you do the work fine. I'm, I'm okay with it. I'm okay. not, not going to judge I'm still, you on that. You know what? I'm shutting no, up. Okay. Gay thoughts. Uh, we'll be talking more about the shooter after the break actual at eight 8.15 at the, the kind of top of the hour. We're going to have Oath Keepers on. For those of you, you know who they are. They're the guys who show up in the rifles and the camo gear in Ferguson. Uh, some of you think they're nutty. Some of you think that they're just doing a fantastic civic duty. Tweet me at S Crowder what you think. And uh, if you have any questions, we can ask them for you. I will say this. Like them, hate them. Those Oath Keepers, their characters. More after this. Louder with Crowder. News with a super cool approach. I am your host, Phil Cool. This week, with the Supreme Court. We- hey! P-Ray, why'd you turn the lights off? You scared of
2: dark. God, dark. I can't read no copy with the lights off in here. I can't see. I can't see. I can't drink my coffee. You scared the dark. Hey! I need to read my copy. Can you get me a... P-Ray, you supposed to be... Give pre- me a flashlight or something so I can read the news for you. No. Hey, You're a strange animal. That's what I know.
0: You're getting louder with Crowder. But
2: you're a strange animal.
1: Glad to be back this third hour. I am your host, Stephen Crowder. Follow me at S. Crowder, producing as always in studio Gay Jared. Follow him at not gay Jared. He's not gay. He protests too much. Uh we're going to have Oath Keepers on next. We've had Henry Gracie on. Sweet Avery Stalker Jim. It's a regular fun house. I think we're gonna start taking more regular callers. We used to not, but we have some good we have some good fans, we have some good listeners, good followers. And want to engage with them, of course, if you're listening to the podcast, as most people do in 2015, you can uh, check out lottowithcreditor.com or tweet me. This week, big story, for those of you who may have missed it, was Topless Tuesday, where feminists... No, God!
2: No, God, please, no! 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 No!
1: (laughs) It is true. When you hear about a feminist taking off her top, your first instinct is not like... You don't think like, you know, when you think modern feminists and the bra burning, it's not like arousing. It's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. It's not like, you know, you don't think of it as something that would be titillating. No. You know? Yeah, they don't get that feeling. No. We all need healing, though. We all all need healing. We all need healing. Wives, be good to your husbands. So. We are here. This happened this week down in, uh, I don't know if it was, it was Union Square. Anyways, it was in New York, and it was trending. It's Bryant Park, I think, or something. Bryant Park? Yeah. Ooh, you don't want it. Oh, Bryant Park. Yes, actually, that's kind of more so Chelsea, which would make sense. We have it up at ladderwithcreditor.com. Some Christians were
3: offended that we even covered this protest. We were nice. You we- know who didn't cover this protest? People not wearing covered. <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah, know, I, know what you're saying. You, you didn't, there was a great joke in there somewhere. And, and it. somewhere along the way, somewhere your, lost. your thoughts trailed
1: off to Ricky Martin, oiled up on a beach. And it so, happens to the best of us. It happens I say. to the best of us.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> we are going to get letters. Anyway, so this happened right because of women are are feminists they're trying to do that I mean this is just San Francisco retreads as Dennis Miller used to say they're just it's just new burning their bra and the point here I've got it here I've got their press release we've got it up on the website is free the nipple it's about equality because men can walk around without shirts therefore women can okay there's a reason. <laughs> Why women don't get to walk around without shirts compared to... Because women have breasts. Men have nipples too. Sweetheart, they're decorative. <laughs> they serve no purpose. I don't even need these things. Breasts are used to feed a baby. Breasts are used for a reproductive function, just like your other their, their glands, but just like sexual organs. They take place in reproduction, which is why they are sexually attractive to men. That's their purpose. Their purpose is to feed offspring in motorboating. That is their purpose. And it's important to note that men look for that in women because it's hardwired into us. So this idea, the feminists are saying, well, it's your fault for staring at us. Firstly, if you want to go around topless, fine. But don't get mad when guys stare at you topless. Their argument is... Well, it's only sexualized because you're sexualizing it. If we show the breasts on a regular basis, it, you'll be decent, you'll be, it'll be desexualized. You'll no longer see it as sexual. Okay, hold on a second. Women listening, I have seen breasts, okay? I have a wife. I see her breasts all the time. Lovely. I'm a fan. Frankly, her breasts take my calls, okay? I'm a fan of breasts. I've seen many breasts. Films, okay, if you've seen any film that's even PG-13 now or or maybe you have something called the internet, you've seen breasts. I have seen breasts my entire life. If the desensitization to breasts was going to occur, it would have occurred somewhere at pair 300 that I'd seen. I'm 28 years old, and I still want to see more breasts. (laughs) The Hutu tribesmen of the African plains are attracted to breasts. It's not rape culture. It is how men are designed. they They are attracted to certain things because it says, hey, she's of good stock. We will have good offspring. So listen, do I think it's wildly inappropriate to be out there in public and to be showing your your um, your knockers for the whole world to see? Yeah, I think it is. Do I think there's an argument to be made that you should have the right to, if men do? Well, you kind of already do. None of us whip out our breasts at a steak dinner to feed our child. That happens all the time. I see way more women's breasts than I see men shirtless outside of the beach. I don't see guys walking shirtless around a whole bunch. I see women constantly. It's awkward. They're with their sweater. They just they just unbutton their cardigan. Like, well, I guess this is happening. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying. I, I don't know when this became What beaches n- are you going to? I'm not talking about beaches. Oh. No, I'm talking about at the beaches you see shirtless men and women have their sure. breasts covered. But if you're at a restaurant, you're much more likely to see a nipple from a woman who's breastfeeding a child. Oh, yeah. So if we're talking about equality, that's my point. And it's, this is how minute it is. You know, it was Women's Equality Day this week. Tweet me at S. Crowder. If you can tell me one right, one right, that men have in the United States today that women don't, I will, I'll I'll kiss gay Jared on the mouth, and I will post it on the internet. He doesn't have a say in the matter because I employ him. Can you dig it? Can
3: you dig it? I can dig that. You can dig that. I can dig that.
1: It is is absurd at Women's Equality Day. It came in the same week, Topless Tuesday, and then Wednesday was Women's Equality Day. They're stepping it up now. Facebook was was fighting for equality. Barack Obama, the struggle for equality, you know, women's equality hashtag, the struggle for equality is not over. No, it's exactly that. It is exactly that. When we are in a country where where laws favor women, divorce, custody, employment, college applications, it's over. Women make more now for the same job as a general rule than men, particularly in Europe coming here to the states same job same pay equal pay is not an equal pay has never been an issue actually that there's never been any verifiable proof that women were paid less for the exact same job exact same hours as a man it was just taken from the mean uh income of, we've talked about this it's on LadderWithCredit.com. it's been debunked thoroughly as thoroughly as we can it's a misleading number and again that's not even a right if a business owner wants to pay someone less if Gay Jared and I walk in I
3: want you'll
2: Jared, get, nothing and like it.
1: If Gay Jared and I walk into a job interview and they say, you know what? Gay Jared, I don't like your haircut. I'm gonna pay you 15 cents in the dollar that I'm gonna give Steven. He has that ability to do it. And you have that ability to go somewhere else where they say, you know what, Steven, I don't like that you're uh that you're tall and strapping. I'm gonna hire the, the shrimpier guy, Gay Jared. I'm gonna go with him. Makes me feel less intimidated. They have that right. That's not a rights issue, and it's not even an accurate representation with the equal pay issue. So how do feminists fight it? They go topless in Bryant Park. This is where we are. This is where we are. this They think that they're making progress. And the problem is, you know, you have girls now who are being raised. There was like a gap where there was obviously women, you know, women didn't have the right to vote. And then we gave them the right to vote. And that's a good thing. And then there was a gap, you know, women had all the same rights, they were happy, they could work, they could stay home. And then he had a generation of women who grew up thinking, hey, this we've got it pretty good. Kind of the same thing with racism. The civil rights happened, then there was a gap, kind of right after baby boomers. You know, right a little older than us, to us, people were saying, okay, equality's been achieved. Everyone can get any job they want, you're going to have individual racists and sexists, absolutely, but systemic racism as largely non-existent in the United States. And we grew up accepting that. Now you have a generation because they have no real war to fight, no real cause to take up. So they've decided to recycle the racist and sexist narrative. Now you have kids younger than us, younger than you listening, who believe that the United States is more racist and more sexist than when you were raised because they somehow have figured it out. All the secret, double secret racism and sexism that you didn't know about. Uh, h- Otherwise, how do these feminists justify going to... It, by the way, they went topless in Bryant Park, okay? So let me tell you this, that's their protest, right? They went topless in Bryant Park saying, well, we should have equal rights, we should be able to go topless in Bryant Park. What does that tell you? It's already legal! The only reason you can do it, it's illegal! If I want to protest the gun laws in Chicago... I don't get to go down and carry a gun and say, well, we should be able to carry a gun because if it's illegal, they haul my sorry ass away. The only reason they were able to protest topless in Bryant Park claiming they didn't have the right to protest topless is because they have the legal right
2: to be topless. I want my right to do what? What I'm doing right now legally?
1: So you want, you just want people to say, "I don't understand." You're doing it right now. Yes, you're topless. Yes, I can see your nipples. Absolutely. What's the problem?
2: You are looking at my nipples. I don't like that. (laughs) And why are you looking at my nipples? Well, I can't make that a law. Make it a non-nipple clause. You can fit it in there. You can make laws about anything. You just make it, a, make it an earmark. Make it a nipple mark.
1: It's absurd. And this is where you've reached. And the fact is, if you speak out against it, you're a sexist. Listen, I couldn't be more clear. You have the right to go out and be topless. That's the law there. You have the right to do that. And men will stare. That's what's going to happen. You want to try and find something to fight? Fight something worthwhile. Oh, my gosh. Ladder with Crowder. We'll be back. Everybody was Hey, listener, what are you doing? You're listening to the show, but you're missing so much content at louderwithcrowder.com. Don't worry. I'm not trying to sell you anything, not any gold or self lubricating pocket catheters, just news, videos, and exclusive stuff that you don't hear on terrestrial radio. Again, it's, it's all free. We're not asking you to spend any money. Just visit there, get your news, and get a couple of laughs. If you want to send me money, that's fine. I don't even know, how did you get in this room? Cold Cold, hard cash. This ad took a bad turn. Hey! Lauderwithcrowder.com, don't listen to fun dip, it doesn't cost a thing. Lauderwithcrowder.com. So glad to be back. We missed our gosh, the Oathkeeper guy was supposed to call in Stuart, Stuart Rhodes, I think. No, he didn't happen. We had a bad rash of rash of guests saying they were going to call in and then not calling in. Which is fine. You know, listen, I don't think you probably would have really liked what I had to say, the Oathkeeper guy. Here's the deal. I understand the Oath Keepers have maybe been kept uh they've maybe been unfairly portrayed by the media. They show up in Ferguson with rifles with camo um firstly i just find it funny you're showing up to an urban area at night with camo (laughs) i'm gonna blend in with this concrete building just wear black there's a reason swat teams wear it so um i think it's great i think it's great that people are open carrying and i think you have that right and people should exercise that right but when you go down to ferguson and say we're going to make sure that cops maintain their oaths We're going to make sure that uh, no buildings are harmed here in Ferguson. We're acting like guards. My question becomes to the Oath Keepers, okay, what if a cop doesn't? What happens then? What happens if a cop says, we're going to haul people out? Well, you don't have the right to do that, but we're going to do it. Now there's a standoff. You have your weapons, you have your knives, do you use them? Are you saying you'd use them against cops? Are you saying you'd shoot the citizens who are trying to ransack a building? Uh, I'm not saying they are, but that's my question. That's what I wanted to speak with these people about. Because at that point, when you hit that turning point, what are you doing? Otherwise, you're just you're just faking it. You're playing dress-up. You know, So, well, our very presence would stop it. That's what you see with a lot of these people with the open carry idea.
3: I think they're counting on that.
1: They're counting on that. And that Otherwise, gets, they're bluffing. Yeah, and that gets into the kind of fake, like we were talking about with Henry Gracie, it gets into the fake Krav Maga posturing. Well, I just, you know, they better not mess with me. What if they do? That's what my question. I think that's what makes people uneasy who don't understand maybe open carry, which I support. If you have the right to open carry, if you can get a concealed carry, I advise everybody do so. But if you do it, you are making a statement. And people are uncomfortable because their question is, well, if you're doing that, are you doing that because you think there's enough of a threat that you would eliminate it? And you need to answer for that. And that's kind of what happened with the Oath Keepers. Now I was a little curious to see how they would answer. You know, they were down in Ferguson, all full-on tactical gear, no problem, legal, absolutely conservative, exercise your rights. But that's a question you need to answer. And uh, I've never heard them answer it. I've just heard them say, well, we'll hope it we wouldn't get there and we would deal it on a situation-by-situation basis. Are you prepared to open fire on American citizens or cops if you believe they are breaking constitutional law? Uh, and, and... You know, I'd have to take their answer at face value. Okay, Donald Trump. We were talking about him. So now, listen. Let me defend him here because here's an example of where I where I stand with Donald Trump. Ricky Martin. You see this? Uh, you, you see love, this You Love that guy. You love the Ricky Martin? No. I love. I remember. I remember he came when he came out as gay. He like did this whole drawn out interview. Um, and everyone's going, "Sure, fine, yeah." <laughs> no one doubted it for a second. It was like clear, you know, he had those videos and he was like, oh, oh, you figure this out? Oh, cool. We're all, we're all on the same page now. Yeah. Great. You're just a little late to the party, Ricky. Like he was, you know, he'd have all these great looking women in his videos. And like, look at these women. Look how attractive they are. Look how many attractive women I can have around me because I so I so like them. You know, it's like, all right, Ricky, come on. You're not fooling anybody. So he came out now against Donald Trump. I know you haven't heard from him for a while, but uh he was mad about what happened to Ramos. So Ricky Barden says, why would he, Trump, assume that he has the right to make absurd, incoherent, and ignorant comments about us? From the beginning, his intent has been clear to basically tell lies and offend us to stay in the po- uh, public spotlight. Well, here's where I'll defend Donald Trump. I, you know, I wouldn't, I don't use the word anchor, babies. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I just feel like then people right away try and dismiss you out of hand. So just use another, you know, just talk. Illegal immigrants is fine. It's the same reason I say illegal immigrants as opposed to aliens. Not that there's anything wrong with aliens and and not that I believe that your language should be removed. But the left will, not even the left, mainstream America will simply discount you if they hear you saying that. So with that being said, Donald Trump has every right to say what he's had to say. And, and, and he's absolutely right on the illegal immigration issue. Does he have sound policy to fix it? No. But is he right to give voice to it and to say, listen, I'm not going to be politically correct about this. We have a problem. Absolutely. And the left hates that. The left has been hating that for, you know, John Lennon. Imagine there's no countries. No, because I would suck, Lennon, you absolute stooge, who, by the way, voted for Reagan and faked publicly being a communist. That's John Lennon, okay? Paul McCartney was the better songwriter, followed by George Harrison, then Lennon. There's no debating Ringo was dead last. Yellow Submarine's fun, but come on. <laughs> not winning any Grammys. So that, It goes back to John Lennon. Again, just the retreats. No borders, no countries, no religion, nothing to define us. okay. Since the beginning of time, cavemen would club other cavemen to death because they found something they wanted that they didn't have. They would define themselves by if you had a a woolly mammoth leg. Now there's a division between people who have roasted woolly mammoth legs and people who don't. Uh Uh-oh, you've got two factions. So the idea... That you can remove these by taking away borders, that it's offensive to act as though Mexicans who come here illegally are criminals. They are. And I appreciate that Donald Trump, no, I don't think Donald Trump is going to frankly build a wall and I'm going to have Mexico pay for it. I don't think that's going to happen. I think that's bluster. But I also take far greater uh, issue with Ricky Martin saying you're telling lies about us and being offensive. I will say this. I've not heard Donald Trump tell a lie about immigrants. I've not heard that. If you've heard it, you can tweet me. If you're one of the leftists listening to the show, D.L. Hughley out there, maybe, tweet me. I've not heard him tell a lie. I've also not heard him make, honestly, to be fair to Donald Trump, generalities about all Mexicans or all immigrants. He's talked about people who are coming here, who are committing crimes, people who are taking from the system. Listen, my mom... um, she has her, I don't know if it's a work visa or a green card. She's not, I don't think she's a naturalized citizen yet. It's a really long process. You know, she has the right, she's married to my dad for years. It's not an easy process. It's an even harder process where I'm from in Canada. It's an even harder process in Mexico. Mexico, no welfare. Mexico, you're not allowed to protest. If you want to talk about people who are harsh and mean, it's Mexicans toward anyone who isn't Mexican. And the thing is, it's really easy to identify the team jersey. All short and brown, (laughs) a nation of entirely smaller brown people with great mustaches. Great mustaches. All right, we got We'll be back after this, and I don't know more racist stuff. I guess. Go ahead and hang me. for your Dating Advice Minute with Bill Cosby.
2: Now, now this week's letter comes to us from Allen, Michigan, from Gage Aaron. Gage Aaron says he has a problem with his boyfriend no longer lusting after him as he felt they did when they first met. Now, the and sounds fun. How's the two-for-one margarita night? Yeah, that happens to the best of us, I will give you some advice. I don't know a whole lot about the two-jarrel and the gay Jared and whether the pitcher and the catcher, and who's doing the pudding pop, and who's doing. The, I don't know about that, but I do know how to help relationship advice. Give yourself some drugs. And then you're going to want to get yourself some coffee, maybe like the mocha, the vanilla, get yourself some of the flavoring to cover it up. But it's very important. you got to remember that he cannot be looking when you put the drugs in his coffee or you're going to have a problem. What you do is maybe you say, hey, I'm going to make you some special coffee. It might be a good idea for you to maybe first go to the potty, make the pre-pee, and then you drug him, and then you go to have the...
1: This has been Your Dating Advice Minute with Bill. So glad to be back to you. Finally got them on the line. Representative, for uh, you can go to OathKeepers.org to find out about them, and uh, hopefully we have a good cell reception. Stuart Rhodes, are you there, good sir? Yes, I am. Thank you. Well, thank you for coming on the program. So you said you're at, you're at a summit out there right now in, in West Virginia?
8: That's correct. That's why we have bad reception for, for cell phones.
1: Okay. So I want to be clear. So you're the founder of this group. For those who don't know, what is sort of, I guess, in in short form, since we only have one segment now, what's the Oath Keeper's mission?
8: We are both current serving and former military police and firefighters, EMGs, et cetera. And it's all about defending the Constitution, defending the rights of the American people.
1: Okay. Now, you've sort of been painted a specific way in the media. You guys come out, you know, often in your your camo and in... um, your rifles whatever people call them I mean I don't call the term assault rifles I don't know if they're AR-15s but that's how they would be perceived so you you show up like in Ferguson for example and I saw some videos and it sounded like you guys were being reasonable the media uh, scares people about you and then you have some people on the far right who are just the biggest fans What, what when you go down to Ferguson okay walk me through that you're down there in Ferguson and I, I heard you say you're there to make sure that uh, police officers maintain their oath to the Constitution and to protect businesses. So what is your goal? What do you do when you're in a place like Ferguson?
8: Well, talk to both sides. Um, we, we did an open letter to the governor of Missouri last year, um, breaking them over the coals for the way he abused the rights of the people of Ferguson, and the way the police mishandled it from the very beginning, um, and then give him some good, solid advice on how to do it right. You don't need to lock down and, and and have curfews and and you know tear gas the entire crowd put undercover officers out in the crowd and find the actual troublemakers the actual lawbreakers and leave everybody else alone and peaceably assemble um, but on the other side we told the people of ferguson in the open letter you have a responsibility to stop the arson stop eluding and so we want to train the people of ferguson to do what we did we guarded buildings and, and, and apartments and kept them from being burned to the ground. We want the good folks in Ferguson, the, the good locals, especially the veterans, to step up and take care of their own neighborhood and stop the thugs. And that right. way, you know, they don't lose credibility. Otherwise, it hurts their credibility. It's not fair, but the whole country sees nothing but a bunch of people burning down their own their own neighborhood. That's right. And that's what they think is is you know, everyone in Ferguson is not true.
1: Well, I'm, okay, sounds entirely reasonable. And I'm completely on board with the, the, you know, the problem we have with militarization of police. And then I also think that a lot of police have been unfairly vilified, you know, like with the false narratives, like, Hands up, don't shoot. So I think they're a case-by-case basis. But, yeah, generally speaking, I would like to see police have less authority over the average citizen. But here's kind Absolutely. of my question to you. We talked about it before you came on. Just to be fair, so you say you go down and you do you train these people in Ferguson. Will you come down with, with rifles, with often backup weapons, with knives, um, how do you train them? If someone does come in and try and loot a building, right, you've crossed that point, what do you do? Well, we,
8: we start with pepper spray. You know, we we go down the force continuum. Your, your voice commands, your presence. Our presence alone deterred the arsonist. They didn't even try. Um, but if but they let's do, say it does pepper spray for. Let's say if that's what pepper spray is for. I'm a big believer in a nice big canister of pepper spray. Yeah, I'd much rather use non lethal or other than lethal force if I can. Absolutely. And this is what every good conscientious police officer does they go up that force continuum. Um, the problem we've had is they jump right to lethal force too fast sometimes. Right. Or they just use a taser to punish somebody for their speech. You know, things like that are wrong. That goes back to training, but it also goes back to who you employ. If they've got a bad Apple cop, he needs to go. This is one of the problems is the good cops have not been policing the bad cops enough. They gotta take care of their own ranks too. Just like the people at Ferguson gotta figure out that the arsonists and the you know the few that are actual troublemakers. makers, same goes for the cops. They cannot just close ranks around bad cops. You know, that's, that's fair, because
1: that answers you. my question. I was saying, you know, if you cross that point, it still begs the question, though, you talk about keeping cops accountable to their oath. Pepper spray, generally speaking, if you're going to be running into a problem with a cop in Ferguson, he's probably going to be outside of range of pepper spray. He has a gun. Let's say he's not obeying his oath, right? He's not. It happens. You're there. He's outside of pepper spray range. Again, we cross that point. I think that's what makes people uneasy, and that's why I want to give you this platform again. I'm a right. to yeah, open me, carry I'm advocate. Not, what do you do? Right.
8: Well, our posture is not to be there to directly stop the bad cops. Our posture is to be there and say, look, you know, here's how you do it right. And the good cops are supposed to be the first line of stopping the bad ones. Um, Obviously, if we saw some police officer who's about to murder somebody, we're going to stop him. And it's the same thing, though. We'll stop him with the minimal force necessary. But that's just an obligation that we have, just the way it works. You know, the good guys have got to stop the bad guys. This has to be done.
1: Okay. So so flat out, the end game is, if it comes down to it, I mean, got, you got said you'll start with pepper spray, but it's, we've seen these situations, they can easily escalate. People have shot at cops. Cops have shot back. If necessary, you will use the firearms, if you have to, to protect people.
8: Well, of course we have to. Um, okay. This is, you know, it's our last resort. And we have John Kerrman, the guy in charge now in, in Missouri and in, in Ferguson, is John Kerrman, who's a current serving. Uh, police academy instructor in Missouri. It's what he does for a living. He is their police academy instructor. And so he knows a lot of them already. And so we're hoping his presence there and his credibility will keep the cops in line and he can reach out to the community with the help of black boatkeepers who are flying in to to do the same on the side of the community. So we're flying in our black veterans to help him and get it done.
1: But you know what? No, that's fair. My, my issue is I was saying, listen, unless you're unless if you bring those weapons down, you better be willing to use them when it comes down. People are going to ask that question. Leftists will say, well, why are they bringing guns down unless they plan- unless they intend to use them? I think you answered my question. Like I said, I didn't know where I lined up. I don't know where you guys line up on all policies. Uh, I'm sure we probably have some disagreements somewhere. That sounds entirely reasonable. Hey, J- J- my producer here, Jared, does that sound does that answer your questions? Because we had those yeah. questions. We're going if you have a, if you have a, a rifle down there, a high capacity rifle, no problem with the rifle.
3: You have it with you. Someone sees it.
1: There's a chance that, that situation escalates.
3: You only sure. bring
1: it if you're willing to use it.
3: Yeah, so- you're visibly setting a red line for people to see. And I think people are really curious if people cross our red line. What happens? I think we just it's, answered. Well,
8: right? and that's, that's, that's kind of the deterrent factor, though. I mean, our guys tend to make everyone calm down. So, you know, because they're very well trained and very competent. But they're not down there blustering, beating their chest or anything like that. Uh, they're acquired professionals. Their, their job is to go there and say, you know, we support the rights of the people. Uh, we also and you know, advocate that the cops do it right, we give them advice. And we're standing there saying this is, you know, here's the right way to do it, America. And and the most important thing is this people of Ferguson should be doing this for themselves. They don't need they should not need outsiders coming in and doing this for them. Right. So we want to train them so they can take care of it themselves. And then they don't need cops in the neighborhoods. If they're taking care of their own neighborhoods, like the Guardian Angels do in New York, if they've got some kind of program like that where they're walking around and taking care of the thugs, then, then you know, reducing the chance of some 9-year-old girl being killed in a drive-by, that's horrible. But you yeah. can't put that on the cops. That's the responsibility of the community. They need to step up, the men of the community, need to step up and take care of the thugs in the, in their ranks.
1: No, the well, thugs
8: are running the town.
1: No, right? absolutely. And and listen, I, I agree with you. My whole issue is, listen, you are going to show up in camo if you're going to show up with a, you know, with uh, what people see as a military-style rifle, you know, you better be prepared to answer for it and use it. And I think you did, um, which honestly, you know, actually changes. My, I will say this changes my perception a little bit. I will have to look more into the old keepers and see what you guys do. But uh, you know, and there's always the torn part of you where you go, well, I, I understand where they're coming from, but I can see how this could be a PR nightmare and the general American. It could be. And
8: it, it could be a mess. We've got all kinds of outside groups coming in there and for their own agendas and. And we're trying to avoid being the same thing. We're trying to avoid doing that. We want the folks who have skin in the game. That's the locals to take care of it. That's really kind of our big big point is to teach them to take care of themselves and they can decide what posture they are going to use, whether it's concealed carry or open carry or whatever. But a real problem is that the perception of the community that if a black man tries this, they'll be shot. And that's disgusting. It's terrible. That yeah, that, that was position. the
1: reaction I saw. People are saying if black people showed up and did this, they'd be shot. Um you know it's it's an entirely it's an entirely hypothetical. I, I guess. Well
8: not exactly because there were some black black young men who did guard buildings um, in like white community center convenience stores owned by a white guy that some young black men that used to work for him, liked him and respected him and, and protected his place. They were not shot. but um, one black man walking down the street in his neighborhood might be a different ball game and that's what we got to change. We got to make sure that they have the right to do that and they do it right and the police know who they are. And we've reduced the, tr- the chance of a tragedy, but we do stand up for their right to do exactly the same thing we have done absolutely
1: oh, of course, absolutely yeah, I would never even think that uh' a racially motivated issue um it, th- that's what everything has become now now you see it obviously with the tragedy that occurred this week um with uh, uh bryce williams lee flanagan uh, it's it's it definitely left us have created an atmosphere of racial division. And it gets to the point where when you treat well, someone— It's not
8: just the leftist, though. you gotta put some, you got to put some blame on conservatives. Too. No, I
1: absolutely do. Well, I will say this, yeah. and I was talking about this with Larry Elder, and we'll, we'll have Alfonso Rachel talk about it. I think you can only paint people as racist for so long until they get really upset, and I think they start to become uh, more leery of all racial issues, and I think we've seen that on the right, absolutely. But um, I definitely do think, listen, there's, there's one political ideology painting all opposition as racist, homophobic, sexist, and when you do that, you dehumanize people. And it makes it okay right. to treat them in a subhuman way. And that, that's my issue with the left. But believe me, I don't absolve the right either.
8: You're right. And then you stop talking. And, it, and it's, a, it's a human flaw that, that anyone can fall into.
1: Yeah, it is. Well, listen, Stuart, thank you so much. We'll let you go back. The reception's getting a little bit iffy, but thank you for coming on. And uh, yeah, c- come back again. I Listen, I, d- I didn't know a ton about it. I sound like a well-reasoned gentleman. And um, maybe you can come teach uh, producer Jared how to shoot not like a girl sometime.
8: Sounds good. We'll do it. <laughs>
1: Thanks, man. Take care. Appreciate it. Oh, that was interesting. That Honestly, I will say that. I, I think they, they reasonably answered the questions, don't you?
3: Yeah, I, th- I think, like you said about the PR nightmares, I think those are still completely possible and may even possibly arguably inevitable at some point. Yeah. But, you know, I think they're coming from a good place. And, you know, you don't see a lot of those you know, um, what is it? Guardian, not Guardian Angels, what do they call them? In New York, the... Um, he just said Guardian Angels. Guardian Angels. You, you don't see a lot of those in other places. And it's, you know, it's an interesting thought to have community kind of, you know... I'd be curious to see if they have those in Detroit. Yeah, I doubt it. Maybe yeah. downtown. They might have them downtown. I don't know. Yeah, maybe in dumpsters downtown. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe
1: well, maybe they can be safe downtown. <laughs> They're not going to be in the neighborhoods where people actually live. Like, we're going to Guardian Angel the Renaissance Center. The kind of like... A what job. about one mile out of there? No, 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 no. Oh, no no, no. <laughs> they got armor-piercing bullets out there they're ready <laughs> our faces are plastered there didn't you see that meth lab fire in art district that was like the district where everyone wanted to go I appreciate that they they came on and did that um I, I don't know that i'm entirely I think that guy is great who we just spoke with I think the risk is when it's an unofficial or you know unofficial sort of task force it's a lot easier to have one person running rogue sure and and cause some problems but uh, you know, I would have no problem with him, you know, guarding my uh, dilapidated meth lab in Detroit if I needed someone to protect it. Oh, no, no I, I'd have that all. guy out there in a second. You know, but you, you, all that kind of stuff, it always does attract people who are, you know, like reading Soldier of Fortune, and they want to tell everyone that, like, they, they, man, I don't carry a gun, I carry throwing knives. look like, at <laughs> those kinds of people like, man, you don't even
3: know. Ninja stars. You don't know. And nunchos. I don't
1: believe in guns. I believe in throwing knives. I once had a guy at a youth group <laughs> one time. I got kicked out of my church youth group because I called him on it. Name was his name. say his name was Chris Morgan. His little brother was named Robin. And I remember he, him telling, and he was like telling girls, "It's like yeah, I work security, sick, but I don't, you know, I don't believe in any any weapons other than throwing knives because it's I know that I can hit that just like perfectly accurate and not hurt, not really hurt someone. I can throw it just soft enough, hit their uh, leg or their arm, and not deep enough to penetrate. And I was thirteen.
3: And you're I said, and you're already calling I, on his. Bowl. I said yeah, that's not true. <laughs> It's not true. What? I
1: said, you you've never done that. Somebody's
3: been watching Little Too Many Ninja Turtles.
1: Yeah, Too so Many Ninja Turtles. People think that stuff's real life. You know, that's the issue right now. So many people are just delusional because we've tried to take away any difficulty. We've tried to take away, you know, bullying. We've tried to take away adversity from everyone and say that they should never face it and, and, and coddle them, that they can have this ego out of control when they're just entirely delusional. They're mm-hmm. out of touch with reality. And that's the left... And that's a generation of Americans. That's scary. We'll wrap this up in a nice bow. Louder with Crowder. Stay tuned. Hey, Fun Dip, what's wrong? I'm
0: trying to figure out what kind of gift to send to my friend's hot niece. Well, firstly, that's creepy. Does she like wine? Well, yeah, everybody likes wine. Oh, ah, so what's the problem? I just don't know what kind of wine she likes.
1: Oh, well, the good thing is you're in luck, because you can go to SimplifiedWine.com or call 844-297-WINE. You just place a call or you send an email and a qualified sommelier. We'll find out what you like, your price range, and curate a perfect wine list for you or your friend's hot niece.
0: SimplifiedWine.com or 844-297-WINE.
1: Last segment, home stretch here. So glad to wrap this up with you, the people we love, the people I want to be with. I'm just going to talk in here, warm, nice and soft. Delilah.
3: starting to a little bit of a little 700 Club vibe going on in here. Oh, I have a funny story about my grandma on a 700 Club. Oh, Lord. She won't like to hear it.
1: She's not going to like to hear it when she doesn't listen to the show anymore. I ticked her off with the Trump stuff. Mm. Tell you what, Trump, it's like like catnip for old people. It is. They love the Trump. They love Trump. And uh, they've also probably never seen The Apprentice or any of these things. I'm looking on the site right now. We have issues with something loading here on this uh, story that we posted. But we do have a story, and I'll use it because it's pretty emblematic of what's been going on this week in the Topless Tuesday and the women's rights and now pushing gun. Uh, A professor. (sighs) This is just upsetting. At Huffington Post, this professor, PhD, Professor Kesha Ali, I think, which is surprising, very white when you see the picture. So just so you know. (laughs) Uh, Try to excuse away Islam culture of rape. You know, they talk about rape culture in the United States, meaning looking at a woman who bears her breasts at Bryant Park in New York City is rape culture. But actually raping women, consequence free, which happens in nearly every Islamically run country, that's the United States' fault. So this woman wrote at Huffington Post, I'm trying to find out where she's a professor. I have it somewhere in the column here. Uh, She wrote, in focusing on current abuses in the Middle East, perpetrated by those claiming the mantle of Islam, Americans, whose constitution continues to permit enslavement as punishment for crime. (sighs) Yes. Community service. Absolutely. You take away from society, you give back. That's not the same as permanent slavery anyway. So this is how she's starting it off. Deflect attention from partial U.S. responsibility for our current crisis in Iraq. Sanction, followed by military invasion and its brutal aftermath, laid the groundwork for the situation described. Situation meaning rape, 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 which happens at the hands of ISIS. Moral high ground is in short supply. The core idea animating enslavement is that some lives matter more than others, as any American who has been paying attention knows. This idea has not perished from the earth. All right. All right, okay. So now we've created a moral equivalency literally by saying moral high ground is in short supply, that the United States cannot take moral high ground against ISIS. All right. Yeah, we can. Oh, but the United States, no, no, no. Oh, but the United States bills out CEOs. They're people, the middle class. They burn people alive and charge admission. They gang rape women in the name of Islam and then burn them alive and get walk away laughing. Okay? The fact that this is a professor and this person is teaching you or teaching your children that the United States is in short supply of moral high ground with their stupid little boys cut. She goes into a barber and says, give me the stupid little Princeton boys cut. Because I, I, this is my fight, my fight against gender oppression is to look like a boy and make myself unattractive Then bitch when men think I'm unattractive. <sighs> and hands off my uterus. So this is actually being taught that women who are raped and enslaved by ISIS kind of have the USA to blame because Bush invaded Iraq. Let's ignore the fact that Saddam and his little son's were the they were they were the the rape cultures timmy and tommy tibble all they did for those of you who don't <laughs> jeered looking he's going what arthur remember timmy and tommy tibble yeah i remember them the little hellraisers and yeah, arthur They're terrible they were terrible those Jose and kusei or sorry kusei i don't know how the other ones pronounce some some name from an insignificant country in a language that fewer people speak than english so i don't care about it that much <laughs> even though i speak two languages and understand three you ethnocentric yeah i speak three languages uh, speak two languages. I I understand two and a half. I prefer English. Um, let's talk about them. So, because Bush invaded Iraq, well, let's talk about what happened before Bush invaded Iraq. They would go to grade schools. This is true. You can read about this. Saddam Hussein's sons. They would go to grade schools, roll down their window window, and point to the grade school girls that they wanted to deflower, have them sent to their house, rape them, and laugh about it. Poor form, Jared. You're fired.
3: I, I had to fit in a fire. I do not
1: have that soundboard, and I don't approve, so don't put that one on me. Disgusting. Your mic's off. So that's what they used to do in Iraq. Okay? Before Bush invaded. This is what people, this is the kind of rule they lived under. Saddam Hussein, if you opposed him, would hang you from meat hooks if you were lucky if you weren't lucky he'd hang you upside down from your leg, so all the blood would rust you ever had like a a blood coming back to your to your leg from maybe being upside down or your circulation's been cut off from a chair or thrown maybe and um, you get back up on that pain you know as the blood goes back to your legs as the feeling goes back to your legs one of his torture methods was to hang people upside down and then turn them over really quickly and beat their legs with sticks as the feeling came back they were particularly fond of doing this to women This is what happened in Iraq before Bush. Bush doesn't have any moral high ground because the Patriot Act. Listen, I'm against the Patriot Act. I'm against government encroachment. And obviously, I think government is too big in the United States. But let's not create a moral equivalency between that and enjoying and laughing about rape. With young women, as happens in Iraq, as happens at the hands of ISIS. But this is the big issue here. Topless Tuesday, Women's Equality Day. We have a country now that is so lost its, its, its moral compass and there's no real cause to fight, they're creating them. So that's why professors who at one point were teaching kids maybe how to build planes, were teaching them how to go forward and develop new things and think critically, they're now teaching kids that the United States is just as much to blame for women being raped at the hands of ISIS as ISIS. When you have no moral compass, when you lose your backbone, and you don't really have a cause to fight, you have to make one up. And we're so far along down the trail of making up causes, we don't even know where we are. We don't even have a trail of breadcrumbs to find us back to sanity. Maybe we'll help you with that next week. Stay tuned for next week.